You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us, and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number 6 at protonmail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. The citizens of the world have been subjected to many hoaxes and outright lies propped up by the mainstream media outlets, big tech, and our own governments these past few years. Staged events that swayed large amounts of our populations to distrust one another, victimize each other through theft, from shoplifting to taxation, and violence. As I write this after my conversation with John Henry the other night, And as we get ready to release this week's episode, the world is debating whether or not Will Smith really slapped Chris Rock live on television. Now, I'm sure John Henry and I will talk about this incident on next week's show and any new developments that should arise from it. But instead of feeding into this madness that does still have some significance in our culture here in the West, I want to focus on another type of performance. I want to talk to you all about Alex Stein. He may not be the slap to the face we the people asked for, but he just might be the one that we deserve. Alex takes performance art and mixes it with guerrilla activist tactics by using the rules that are usually used to keep the status quo in place. Instead of taking the few minutes each citizen is given where they are usually ignored or as of late interrupted if they start making a point, Alex uses that time to put on a show that will go viral. In these shows, Alex raps, dances, and may rub hand sanitizer on himself. He'll ask the council members he's appearing in front of to join him in the war against Putin. He's even impersonated a member of the Taliban to thank Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler for helping the Taliban sell more heroin to U.S. citizens. This guy is awesome. Now, 
Besides taking what some may call unpopular stances in the mainstream, Alex has shown the rest of the world that it doesn't take armed conflict to start a revolution. It might just take a joke. With the current buzz about the slap heard around the world at the Oscars, you can see how the establishment feels about jokes whenever one of its members is targeted. What would land most people in jail or with charges resulted in Smith getting an award for his acting, and after a tearful apology, no charges were pressed and no one was arrested. What makes what Stein does so impactful is that he uses ridicule, which is a powerful tool in shaping people's publicly expressed opinions. The global corporatist oligarchy knows this, and it uses it to mock and shame anyone who disagrees with them. They use labels too, like anti-vaxxer or Putin puppet. Meanwhile, if anyone attempts to use similar strategies to show the hypocrisy of the GCO, they are banned, threatened, and sometimes worse. It's like Alex Stein went into a boss fight with the GCO and found the weak point that we can all attack and exploit. Whether it's making fun of the GCO's handling of COVID or the conflict in Ukraine, Humor defeats the talking points being mockingbirded to us every day because humor may be the last place on earth that anyone can speak the truth. Don't believe me? Try going on Twitter and saying that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Even the given truths of biology are now subjective for as long as the GCO wants them to be. Having the government violate someone's bodily autonomy used to be a heinous act, and still is. But according to the GCO, it's okay if their partners in Big Pharma need a stock to go boom or bust. Donald Trump was supposed to start World War III with his insane rhetoric, but it was the dehydrated husk left of Joe Biden who was installed into his position that may actually bring about a world-ending scenario. Next up could be climate change, cybersecurity, or even the existence of aliens. What we know to be true today in mainstream culture probably isn't real, because none of it has been. So why would we approach our sworn enemies and government and business openly and honestly? If no one is around to referee... Besides us, why are we playing fair while our opponents lie, cheat, and steal? Project Veritas understands this delicate balance. They deceive the deceivers, which allows them to expose the truth and expose the people behind the lies. Alex Stein does too. He also understands that we are indeed in a war. The other war. Against what he calls the military-industrial complex, and big-tech censorship, and much else in his interview on Tucker Carlson. He understands that to win, we have to subvert the conditioning that the GCO uses to brainwash the public. We have to point out the silliness of it all, so that instead of taking those that wish us nothing but sickness and death seriously, when they try to convince us to go along with the next phase of their evil plan, will laugh at them and then tell them to get the fuck 
out of our lives. We all can do what Alex does in various ways. Some paint, some make music, some say fuck a lot on a podcast. But this war is winnable, especially when we all learn to weaponize our passions and our skills. Now go forth and roast these criminal assholes responsible for our suffering these last few years. They deserve it. The ancient Romans had a, <clears throat> had a, uh, a saying in their law that said, quote, Let them who wish to be deceived be deceived. Quite simply, the Roman law was, if you're so stupid to want to be deceived, go ahead. <laughs> if you had any brains at all, you'd do your homework and take many, many days and hours uh, the kind of thing that uh, Sir Lawrence Gardner does. Spend a lot of time researching, studying, and then you're going to find out, yes, what we're faced with in this world is consensus reality. It has very little to do with the real truth. The real truth, you better wake up and find out, has been around you all of your life. You just didn't see it. Okay. I'm number six, and this is The New Prisoners. And I'm here with John Henry. And that, my friends, was the words of Mr. Jordan Maxwell, who passed away this past week, March 23rd. Uh, thank you to Project Underscore Knowledge on Instagram for posting this clip and many other people, creators, uh, political dissidents, conspiracy theorists, whatever you want to call us. Uh, there's been an outpouring of support for uh, this man and his family and everything he's said over the years. And John Henry and I were having a conversation just now off air before we started this show. And he mentioned about how profound those words are. So John Henry, I'm going to turn things over to you just so you can say hello to the people uh, this week, but then also g give your thoughts on what we just what we just watched there. Welcome back, everybody. Countdown to the end of the world. Um, it, what an extraordinarily profound statement. And, you know, when I was talking to number six, uh, I told him that I genuinely feel like this clip from Jordan Maxwell, it, it sums up what we do. And not only what we do in a execution, sit down and record standpoint, um, but really what we're obligated to do collectively as a people, which is to do your research. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and go back through it. I'm going to say it again, uh, the beginning portion of what he said. And, and what he said was the ancient Romans had a saying in their law that said, quote, let them that wish to be deceived be deceived. Quite simply, the Roman law was if you're stupid enough to be deceived, then go ahead. It, it just such an extraordinarily profound thing, Right. And, um, and again, you know, he finishes with do your research, do your research, it's consensus reality. Uh, well, we have to fight that consensus because, you know, it, a consensus of ignorance is, is a failing proposition for everybody. And, um, you know, it's funny how this really, really connected with me this week. Um, and here's why. So, uh, as of yesterday, uh, at, at midnight last night, uh, as everybody knows, I live in Hawaii, uh, our mask ban was dropped. And we were the last state in the country that had this absolutely ridiculous mask ban. So as I depart my house to run errands today, um, you know, the hope would be everybody is 
Now, excited about that and, and going back to living a semi-normal life, uh, this won't shock you, but I was mistaken. And as I was out, about 50% of the people out today had these stupid fucking masks on their face. And it is so moronic because here's my question, right? And, and I want you to get a little bit more than Jordan Maxwell for us, but here's my question. My question is, there's a tremendous amount of research that shows that they do fucking nothing for you, okay? And now, the local government has said, you don't have to do it anymore. Why are half of these fucking morons walking around with these stupid fucking masks on their face? Why? And here's my, my bigger question. Are they just going to wear them forever? So if you're one of those fucking lemmings strolling around with a filthy bacteria-filled fucking piece of cloth on your mouth, and that's what you're breathing in right now, how are you going to handle the decision to take that mask off? Because now, legally or not even legally, because we know mandates aren't laws, it's a recommendation, but now there's not even a recommendation to do it anymore. So is it just a matter of people are fearful that they've embraced their Stockholm Syndrome this long? That they don't want to let go of or, you know, or their love for their captor, which is that the hand on their mouth from our supreme leaders. So how do you go about doing that? Are these people waking up with anxiety this morning going, I don't know, should I take it off? Should I not take it off? So my question to you is, for all these fucking idiots, when do you think that happens? What's the crux, right? Because they're wearing them today, and I imagine they'll wear them tomorrow. Do they wear them till they die? Or how do they make that decision? Is it enough ridicule from other people going, come on, man, don't wear the mask anymore? Is it less fear-mongering from the media? Well, we're always going to be fear-mongered somehow, right? So that's my initial thoughts today. And that's why whenever I went through that, uh, as much as I wish I agreed with Jordan Maxwell on the let them be deceived part, it makes me psychotic because I want to stand in a crowd of people and go, Take it off of your face. It's doing nothing for you. Nothing. Now, if somebody's fucking hideous and has really bad teeth, I get them wanting to do that. But <laughs> I don't think that that, that is uh, the amount of people that, uh, that I saw out there today. So take your fucking masks off. So what do you think, buddy? What is going to push these people to finally take that stupid thing off of their face? I think we're going to answer that question even more as we go through this episode, because sort of like we do every week, John Henry, um, you already know exactly where I'm going to be going with this without me telling you. Um, I think just right off the bat, just to put my own two cents in, and then we'll explore even more with the, the coming articles that I have lined up, um, is that they will carry on with this nonsense for as long as somebody is telling them to do it. And it doesn't matter necessarily who that person may be, as long as they're a person that's perceived to be in some sort of position of power or authority. Um, if it's somebody that's higher up in their job, um, if it's a local politician, if it's uh, the big corporation in town uh, that has a lot of pull there, it doesn't matter necessarily because they're all interconnected, as we know, John Henry, too. Uh, there's one massive network um, of the of these types of people, uh, they all carry the same ideological banner. Um, they can't differ from one another. Uh, they have to exist within that monoculture because as soon as you step out of it, um, you are othered, 
And that's when the uh, pointing and the screeching starts. <laughs> so literally and figuratively, folks, we found that out too. Uh, we're actually going to talk about that uh, this this week. Uh, so let's let's move on to some words from uh, Jordan Maxwell here too. Um, I also looked this up. Uh, this is from a website called conspiracyrevelation.com. Uh, sounds like it's right up our alley. Um, and this just goes over a little video called Organized Crime by Jordan Maxwell. And I'm just going to read from you the transcript because the audio actually isn't very good on this. But um, just so everybody out there in podcast land uh, can enjoy this as well as everybody reading along. Uh, the entire world that you live in is a criminal organization. Period. Any cult or any gang. You don't have one gang. You got a thousand gangs. And they are all vying for power to see which one can make the most money and live the highest off the hog. Off of the poor people. Just open up to the world to see what the real world of religion really is. Where does the money come from? Who are the people who started these different political and religious as a kid, I used to hear my adults telling me, well, that's two things we don't talk about, politics and religion. The reason why they don't talk about politics and religion, it might offend somebody. It might offend someone. It is about time to offend and show you how you support organized crime. You are just supporting real organized crime. And we don't want to talk about this. The government makes sure you don't talk about it. It's not political correct to talk about. Why? Because the government is organized crime. We call the U.S. government as an organized criminal society, period. At the end of the day, that's the bottom line. They are behind all these religious movements, political movements, the drugs are coming from the south of the border, Mexico, from Colombia. All these countries down there are Catholic countries. Vatican-run Catholic countries. Vatican-run Catholic countries are flooding the world with narcotics. Chicago, my God, he says. Chicago is a world capital. Realize Chicago is the center of organized crime. Chicago was a den of thieves and organized criminality. Obama in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, where Chicago was understood as the criminal capital of America, period. It rivaled New York, which has given us Obama. Democratic Party and Mafia. Democratic Party was in business with the underworld, with the organized criminal establishment. Wow. And uh, this is from, uh, I think it's taken from August uh, 25th of 2022. So, yeah, but definitely check out this article and check out many other things that Jordan Maxwell had to offer. But I've just been really uh, struck by the wealth of sort of calling this out that this man has. <laughs> he's just, he's got it all stacked and he's got it all lined up here for us, John Henry. Um, it just shows you that no matter how much that you think that you know about this world and about the influences and in modern politics and how things are, you know, how things work both inside and outside of it, 
is that you run into people like this that just have their finger on it. And we've been lucky enough too to to have a few people like this in our lives recently. Like uh, we've recently uh, been fortunate enough to be shared and liked and uh, had some uh, brief conversations with people like Guard Goldsmith and Silas Guthier of Silas Speaks, uh, Guard Goldsmith of Liberty Conspiracy, of course. Um, definitely shout out to both of those channels. But you know the stuff that we talk about, like you mentioned, John Henry. This is it. Like this. This is our. This is our niche. And this guy has. Um, like I said, just a, a real pedigree of being able to call out uh, the oncoming <laughs> onslaught of bullshit uh, that we've been dealing with since, uh, well, since they locked us down at least, but it looks like far, far before that. Maybe maybe when uh, those creeps started getting together at the World Economic Forum somewhere in the 70s, right? Uh, maybe that's when this war really started. Or was it when we came back from World War II? How long has this all been going on? Has it been before that? I mean, really, has it, it? There's arguments that we changed sort of in our banking industry after World War One, and we've never really gone back. Uh, James Corbett, shout out to him. He did a, a brilliant documentary on World War One as well. But um, I'm I'm just gonna slide on over into this topic from what we've been talking about with Jordan Maxwell because I think it really kind of brings it um, to a point here. Um, this person. Biden's Supreme Court pick is the same judge who gave the Pizzagate shooter four years. Katanji Brown Jackson is the judge who sentenced the Pizzagate shooter, Edgar Madison Welch, to four years in prison. Now, John Henry, because of what we know, and also because of the sort of like the philosophy. I guess you could say, or ideology behind what we just read in Jordan, Mr. Mr. Jordan Maxwell's words there, um, that we don't believe in these things being coincidences anymore, right? <laughs> that this is sort of just a part of our world now that all of these folks, all these fucks are interconnected, correct? <laughs> no, none of it's coincidental. Everything is a strategy. Everything is coordinated. Um, I didn't get to finish today's X-22. I was listening to it and he actually talked about her, her family. Okay. So between her like immediate and extended family, there's like five people that are heavily involved in high ranking positions in the oh. government. Um, so no, and here's what we know. We know that she's nominated because she is a fucking extremist. Um, if you have seen any of the hearings so far or the questioning, uh, you know that she's up. <laughs> I know this is going to shock everybody. Are you ready, everybody? Uh, she's light on pedophiles oh. and actually uh, apologized to pedophiles. So this woman is uh, is pro-fucking pedophile, and you're talking about a Supreme Court justice nominee. Now, is there any coincidence that you have a fucking pedo lover that they're trying to vote in um, for the Supreme Court simultaneously at the same time as we'll talk about in future, a little bit further into the episode uh, that Hunter's uh, laptop is completely full of him having sex and performing sexual acts with underage women because he's a fucking pedophile crackhead. So not a coincidence. Uh, you have a woman. How can you sit on the Supreme Court and know how to defend a woman's right if you don't know what a woman is and make such an ignorant statement as I'm not a biologist. Now, here's what's interesting about that. 
right? So everybody jumps on that and talks about ignorance, okay? I actually think that that was a fantastic statement for her to make. Fantastic. No, I feel like nobody saw through the lines on it, right? Everybody want to talk about her ignorance and, you know, her virtue signaling and all the bullshit. But she said the wrong fucking thing. Because what she said was that a biologist can determine whether or not a woman is a woman. Well, why would it be a biologist? Because Katonji, Katonji, Katonji just admitted to everybody that there is such thing as a biological male and biological female. So thank you, Katonji, for saying that. Uh, and I know that that wasn't what you were trying to accomplish, but you only reiterated the facts, which is, you know, there is a biological male, biological female. So she's absolutely a fucking extremist. It's insane. You have a woman that was handpicked because she's an African-American woman that says, I don't know what a woman is and how women out there, right? And, and I, I called the feminists out last week on this bullshit. How can your rights be defended as a woman if she doesn't know how to determine what one is? There is not a single woman in the world that should be pro this fucking lady getting put into that that role. Absolutely not. Two things. Um, one, she can get away with anything because we have reached a level of sophistry in our culture that if you agree with the the primary monoculture, which is our corporatist uh, oligarchy, our global corporatist oligarchy, of GCO, if you will, um, as long as you agree with them, uh, you can say any insane shit that you want and you'll get away with it. You can actually take part in any actions like you just mentioned, John Henry. You can have sex with underage kids, have it on your laptop, have that delivered to the fucking FBI and be walking around free. Free. Uh, I mean, this woman, it was talking about how the, the difference in the amount of child porn you have should should decide the difference in the penalty i don't care if you have one video or one billion videos a fucking pedophile is a fucking pedophile that's like saying that john henry stabbed at number six in the neck but we let him out on 30 days community service because he only killed one person think about that guys that's the severity. When, when I look at the worst things that people can do in this world, you have murder, rape, pedophilia. There, there aren't the stealing. No, no, no. Stealing cars. No. Uh, assault. Well, that'll, that'll fall into that number four category, right? Um, it doesn't matter. Doesn't, if somebody murders somebody, they're a murderer. And I've never seen a court case in my entire fucking life where the judge said, well, what I would like you to take into consideration, jury, is he only killed one person. A fucking murder charge is a murder charge. This woman is a moron. A moron. Oh, and you just so happen to have some child porn on your computer, and next thing you know, you're looking at 30, 40, or 50 years in prison. That's not right. You are a fucking moron, lady. Moron. No, absolutely not. And then you have Joe Manchin, who is one of the people that are hopeful on the D side saying, yep, I'm voting for her. For fuck's sake. Here's what's even scarier. 
if it's a split vote down the middle, 50 to 50, do you, sir, know who makes that deciding vote to break it? Oh, is that Kamala Harris? Oh, that would be the Vice President of the United States of America, Kamala Harris. And what do you think she'll be voting? Are you fucking She's voting for me? that thing to do the thing we need to do today, the thing that we do every day to do the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the memes, um, like whenever Elon was on a tear, like what, the, the meme that says, like, yeah, I support whatever thing needs to be supported today. <laughs> fucking ridiculous oh, well i mean it's just to, to to move along with this though um i think that this is a perfect uh capsule of identity politics in 2022 for us all because uh, with that like i said as long as you're agreeing with the uh global corporatist oligarchies monoculture you can get away with literal murder and yes they do they do john henry they let the people that murdered people in the Black Lives Matter riots, the George Floyd riots, they let all those fucking murderers and arsonists and rapists and thieves and assaulters and whatever else and carjackers and the people that ran over cops, they let them all out of jail. In fact, they even funded it. They funded it with their own political campaign. And when I say they, I mean the Democratic National Committee, along with all the fucking NGOs and all the people wrapped up in the World Economic Forum and all the evil pricks that we talk about every single week on this show. They all let it happen. And, and they can do that because, oh, look, look who's running the, the judicial system. This is what you have here. So as we scroll down, I mean, we have uh, not only... Um, has she played a, a role in this uh, Pizzagate debacle? Which uh, shout out to Crypto Man again for coming up with the uh, lines in Adrenochrome, his his song there about Pizzagate. So go take a look at that. But uh, yeah, it says Judge Jackson, who presided uh, over the Pizzagate shooter sentencing in 2017, called the extent of the recklessness of Welch's actions breathtaking as she sentenced him to prison. And she added that she had no reason to doubt that the defendant thought. He was being helpful, but noted that she could not overstate the concern that other people will see what you have done and be inspired by it. No, no, she couldn't overstate the concern she had that a pedophile may have been injured or killed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was her fucking concern. I mean, Let's you can read real. it that way, this can't you? I mean, but noted that she could uh, not overstate the concern that other people will see what you have done and be inspired by it. This is the mm -hmm. Bubba effect. This is. Mm -hmm. This is what they've been yeah, trying yeah, to pass we, we on. We couldn't us. possibly have people out for pedophiles or anti-pedophile. No, 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 no. Because these days, that's just a sexual orientation, and that's exactly what well, they're pushing. Here's the ideology right underneath it. This, this is the, this is the mass slipping off. So you can see the fucking reptilian scales underneath, folks. No matter how well intentioned, <laughs> people are not allowed to take matters into their own hands. She said, "How much." Do we suffer in this fucking culture because of sentiment like that, that we can't do it ourselves, that we can't take it into our own hands? Hey, speaking of insanity, I want to uh, I want to do a, a quick segment that doesn't exist. It's uh, memes that win the Internet All of right. the week. Um, obviously, uh, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about Leah yes. Thomas. Um and we're not going to take a deep dive into that because we have way too much really important shit. Um, but whoever made the meme that said, I won that <laughs> that woman swimming race fair and square. And if you don't like it, you can suck my dick. Um, whoever made that meme, I got to tell you, that was my uh, favorite thing on one? the Internet. There it is. <laughs> I won that women's swim race 
fair and square. Like if they don't like it, they can suck my dick. That is fucking thank you, beautiful. USA Taylor. So whoever made that, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Apparently, thank you. he doesn't know who did it either, but he has some dead emotions. He's there, so he's he's liking it too. Yeah, and, and we'll that. actually we'll get to uh, we'll get to Leah here in a second as well. But um, I just wanted to move on to this. Maybe, just maybe, there's a reason why they're being so lenient all of a sudden on pedophiles. Now you brought up you brought up a, a pretty famous story there with the Hunter Biden laptop, and that's a story that's allowed to be a story now too. Remember, folks, a few fucking weeks ago that was a conspiracy theory, and you were a nutball. You should be wearing tinfoil on your fucking head. Excuse yeah. me, sir. If you mm-hmm. recall. The Saki puppet said that that's standard Russian, Russian, Russian disinformation. disinformation, folks. I wonder <laughs> if all the child porn that these creeps in the Democratic Party are receiving is also Russian disinformation. Is that what they're going to say? It, uh, yeah, it's got to be. Um, Russia put this on the my Russia computer. told me that you this know, was, sure uh, be, th- that's that this was anonymous, say. that my credit card would never be revealed. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're going to say that Russian hackers are the ones that actually put the child porn. Uh, Just wait till they have it tied to their digital currency. Oh, that's coming. Yeah, we're going to talk about that too today. Um, So, but this really quickly from the Blaze Media, a prominent Maine Democrat has been arrested on child pornography charges. Go fucking figure. Bail set at only $50,000. Now, I'm sure $50,000 might be a lot to some people out there, but I'm sure to this Democratic donor, $50,000 doesn't. Super super donor. Yes. Super donor, not just a donor. Oh, yes. Super donor. He should be donating some organs eventually. Shouldn't he be, John Henry? Shouldn't he be donating some organs to something? Well, I think he should, uh, first off, be donating his sex organs uh, via yes. castration for being an old fucking Absolutely. pedophile. Subjects under the age of 12 years old, you creepy old fucking scumbag. We got it for you here, folks. A prominent Democratic politician and mega donor in Maine was arrested and charged with possession of child pornography, but his bail was set at only $50,000. Uh, this is from... Was Katanji the judge? Uh, well, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, 75-year-old Elliot Cutler was arrested on Friday and charged with four counts of possession of unlawful sexually explicit materials related to subjects under the age of 12 years old. According to News Center Maine, a two-month investigation was led by police to conduct a search at two of Cutler's residences earlier this in the week. Um, he previously worked for the Carter administration in the 70s. Yep. Mr. Peanut there. Do we, I mean, do we yeah, even no, need no, to go there? No, probably not. I mean, the last, <laughs> can y'all just figure that one the out? The last please? time that the pedophiles are really doing good in the seventies folks, that's another time when gas was really fucked up. So maybe there's a, <laughs> maybe there's a connection there too. <laughs> They're all connected. Um, office of management and budget. Now he has also worked for the office of Maine Senator Ed Muskie, also Democrat he ran for governor in Maine in 2010 and 2014, both times as an independent candidate. So watch out for those independent candidates, folks. Uh, we, we we tend to lean towards the center sometimes here. And uh, you know, independent candidates might seem nice because they 
tend to hold some of our civil libertarian type of values, but they could also be evil creeps like these fucks. So yeah, just pay attention to who you're voting for there. If you're going to decide to vote anymore, uh, Cutler was held on a $50,000 bail at Hancock County jail and was expected to appear in court Monday. And each of the four counts carries a maximum penalty of five years in prison. Hold on. The pedo was at Hancock Hancock County jail. (laughs) Wow. It couldn't be more fitting, you filthy old fucking scumbag. I mean, it, it does kind of make sense, John Henry, if you think of it this way. Doesn't Hollywood suck anymore? We're going to talk about that uh, a little bit, too. Hollywood sucks so bad. Did all the good writers go into politics? Did they all just start writing this kind of shit for us to keep us distracted, for, to live in the Matrix forever? <laughs> it's all entertainment. It's all a storyline. Yeah. So yeah, uh, is there even any difference between politics and in Hollywood now? It's all it's all a bullshit fairy tale. Yeah. All of it. It's fiction. Every fucking bit of it is fiction. I mean, it says here that uh, we do have somebody in Maine from the GOP actually trying to stop uh, people from receiving or accepting his donations anymore and giving them back. Uh, but uh, yeah, cool. And and then it talks about how he. Uh, donated to president joe biden senator bernie sanders and former president barack obama folks are six degrees of pedophilia has come in very early in this week's show and it and it shall appear a few more times unfortunately um but i mean what is this like what what why why is this fucking pedophilia so prominent with these people is it power? Is it control? Is it the urge to have exotic behavior? Because they, you know, have come to be so rich and live such a, a life of such excess that regular sexual activity gets old. So they turn to the kids like, what the fuck is this, man? I think it's, uh, well, yeah, I, I guess once you get to a certain level or like in the hierarchy, right? Once you get, like, if you're thinking of this as the Mortal Kombat mountain that you're climbing, once you get past Goro, you're, you're pretty much a badass. You get away with anything. Well, I mean, here's what here's what I, the other the other thing is they all get fucking blackmailed. We know that was Epstein's whole deal in just yeah. lane. So, I mean, do they just get blackmailed into it and say, fuck it? Well, eh, oh, know, yeah, they, if I'm blackmailed into it, I might as well just be a pedo. That is there is a level of demoralization that could possibly occur there. I mean, this exploration into the mindset of these people is really interesting. Um, perhaps they should be rounded up somehow. And then maybe put in a place like, are we using Guantanamo for anything right now? Can we just ship them down to Guantanamo like it's been talked about? And then just kind of maybe study these people, see how they interact with each other. They're actually, um, they're trying to close Guantanamo and send all the prisoners of Guantanamo to Colorado. I think that that's a loss of like good paying jobs. Isn't there a union somewhere that can want to pick that place up and like kind of, yeah. I hope so. I mean, I want it to be expanded personally. I think we could do something with it. All right, so moving on. Let's talk about more collapse of the justice system. The deep-seated, rooted corruption tied to people in media, mass media, like super influential mass media, and our own Department of Justice, and big tech as in microsoft like you are probably listening to this or doing something or have at least a product in your home 
that has something to do with with Microsoft. So um, this this is a really really disturbing story. And on a any kind of normal time, not in World War Three, of course, John Henry, but in any kind of normal time, this would be the number one story that we would talk about. We would set aside like a fucking hour to talk about it because there's so much to go into. But I'm just going to rip into this real quick, and then I'm going to I'm going to let you give uh, the audience some thoughts here about it. But um, this is from Project Veritas's website, and the title is Microsoft Corporation Legal Documents show that the Biden DOJ was spying on Project Veritas as journalists. And they also were hiding it from a federal court judge. Now, Microsoft Corporation legal document, documents obtained by Project Veritas show that after a U.S. District Court judge rejected the DOJ's argument to ignore Project Veritas's journalistic privileges, the DOJ went behind the judge's back to obtain an extension on two sealed non-disclosure orders from a magistrate judge to conceal the fact that they already had unsupervised and unfettered access to privileged emails and contacts of eight Project Veritas journalists. Now, Project Veritas, the reason why I found out about ProtonMail that I use is through them, John Henry. I wonder whose emails that they were reading and if those were proton mail emails because I heard a story a while back about in France, I think the government or intelligence agencies or something like that ordered somebody to uh, uh, give up their emails and proton mail did hand them over. And uh, other than that, I've heard nothing but good things about like the, the encryption except for the fact that there's always a way around this stuff. Like, there's nothing that's foolproof. There's no safe that can't be cracked. You know what I'm saying, John Henry? But um, I, I just wonder, because, like, if the DOJ can just jump into emails, well, I hope they're listening. And fuck you guys. Uh, I'd like to also say fuck, fuck you yes. guys. Yeah, fuck yes. you guys. A matter of fact, while we're at it, um, CIA, fuck you guys. FBI, also NSA. fuck you guys. Might as well throw the IRS oh, in yeah, there, too. IRS, too. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. But um, so I guess uh, Judge Torres, uh, which is the, the judge that ruled uh, that the prosecutors must operate under the supervision of a special master to ensure that the First Amendment protections are upheld for Project Veritas journalists and their source material. These documents reveal that the government not only ignored that order, but also attempted to hide the fact that they obtained emails for time periods far outside the scope of the investigation. Now, here's where it gets really fucking crazy, too, is that what was the investigation about? Well, if you remember, folks, uh, for those of you that have been following the podcast the past couple months, uh, this is related to a story in which Project Veritas came in contact with Joe Biden's daughter's diary. And in that diary, she claimed that her and daddy Joe Biden had some pretty naughty showers together. And it made her feel really bad for a long time, which led her to like drug abuse and sexual abuse. Go fucking figure in that family, right? Um, so yeah, the 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 sickness uh that's prevailing uh in this uh in these stories that we'll talk about throughout the evening, the connections to the satanic pedophile cults, um, they're all here. <laughs> they're all here. Uh and now it says the Department of Justice then muzzled 
Microsoft from disclosing these orders uh, via a series of secrecy orders signed by magistrates. The documents further reveal that the DOJ went behind the U.S. District Court judge, um, Annalisa Torres, uh, is back to obtain extensions on the gag orders on Microsoft from magistrate judges after Judge Torres ruled that Project Veritas was entitled to journalistic privileges. And despite multiple opportunities to do so, the DOJ has not publicly disclosed the orders, warrants, or subpoenas to Judge Torres or Special Master Judge Barbara Jones, who was appointed by Judge Torres to Project Veritas uh, to protect Veritas's journalistic privileges from potential DOJ overreach. Now, Judge Torres ruled that the DOJ's investigation must be overseen by Judge Jones and ordered that uh, the DOJ not to review any material seized from Project Veritas without Judge Jones's approval. And the DOJ has not sought Judge Jones's approval to review Project Veritas's materials seized from Microsoft. Wow. And... And they include a nifty little timeline here when everything was supposed to incur, occur during this investigation, because uh, also uh, videos just recently released by Project Veritas folks, in case you haven't been following up with it, um, they were raided and they released the videos of those raids. Um, so there is uh, apparently the DOJ obtained seven secret orders, warrants and subpoenas from six magistrates within the Southern District of New York. Wow, the Southern District of New York. Where have we heard of those guys coming after political people before? Oh, we'll get to that, John Henry, because we got stories about that to talk about. So I'm excited. Did you want to say part. anything about this Project Veritas story before we move on, though? God bless James yeah. O'Keefe. I mean, that's it. Like, we know that the amount of corruption is so grand it's so grand and when you look at it they're called the department of justice yet they defend wrongdoing it's it's just the fucking hypocrisy is grotesque man and uh people like james o'keith just uh, again god bless that man he is an american hero and we just have to continue to stand with him um and understand that there is no privacy anymore and i did not say accept that there is no privacy. That wasn't my statement. It was understand that there is no uh, privacy. And, and, you know, realistically, we just, um, we have to continue to communicate. These things have to continue to be exposed. Um, it's, it's critical. It's more critical now than it's ever been in the history of our country. Well said. And um, just to throw it out there, for any of you listeners that might be in the district of the Southern District of New York, um, here is somebody that's supposed to be representing you. Assistant United States Attorney Robert B. Sobelman, because it says here the documents reveal a peek into the SDNY's covert surveillance of American journalists, commenced by Assistant United States Attorney Robert B. Sobelman. So, um, let's move on, but I just wanted to point that out just in case somebody wanted to make a few phone calls to say, hey, who else are you spying on? Who else are you abusing your power uh, to violate the First Amendment with? Oh, let's see. Well, the law schools are also in crisis, John Henry. <laughs> I know you're going to be shocked by this one, too, because uh, it seems like justice all around us is just collapsing. 
Uh, so why not where people learn uh, the rules within our system that we've uh, put together over the past couple hundred years? And, uh, and and even further beyond that, actually, if you apply all this identity politics bullshit and all these wokeism, you're really going back to like straight up witchcraft at some point too. Where they can just the, the sophistry just takes over, and all of a sudden they're just gonna they're gonna hit a goat on the head with a baseball bat, and whichever way it falls over, you're guilty. Like I mean, we're 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 getting into fucked up territory here whenever it comes to this shit. But uh, this from the Daily Mail: Law schools are in crisis. The truth doesn't matter much. The game is to signal one's virtue. Yale Law School professor who tackled woke mom at a free speech event at a free speech event says future of the rule of law in the U.S. is in crisis. First off, if you're having free speech events that are trying to people are trying to shut down and you're on a law school campus, what are we going to allow these people to really be lawyers now? Like they're going to come out of this law school and they're going to be like, fuck that first amendment. That shit's dangerous. We can't allow people to have freedom of speech. What the hell's wrong with you folks? We're going to overturn all of that. Yeah, that's the goal. They're getting to the root of it. It's not enough uh, that the corruption isn't rampant with the current (laughs) state from a, you know, legal standpoint and attorneys. So what they try to do is suppress all the future. The same thing that they're doing to, to kids now manipulating their sexualities and their sexual orientations. It. This is all future shit. This yes. is long play stuff. And as we've talked about, strategy, strategy, strategy. That's exactly the what it is. For the setup. It is a long play. <laughs> yep, you got it. But, I mean, you brought it up, though, because uh, when you're talking about grooming children, when you're talking about not being able to identify what a fucking woman is, notice how the judge that we just spoke of referred back to a biologist What's a biologist? How do, we, how do we even determine what a biologist is? Maybe a biologist is somebody that thinks correctly and is rewarded for so in their, in their institutions that they're coming out of. That if you're a biologist nowadays and you're sitting in a classroom, you raise your hand, you go, uh, sir, ma'am, them, whatever the fuck you, you know, ask us to call you. Um, a man is a man and a woman is a woman and here's why and this is a fucking zygote this is when the baby is a baby now this is when life begins now and 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 like if you say any of that you're not getting your diploma and there's already enough people probably people in our fucking audience that have already been in that scenario where they just looked around the classroom and they just said oh wow i might i might as well just rather go along with the status quo and get through this or fuck it, I'm out. And, and just, they, they dropped out of college uh, like so many of my friends have. And, and, and just seeing like the, what the environment is like these days in, in a law school, like what is the future of being able to define and categorize things and codify law? You know, the, the, we have to rely on these people to interpret things. And what's their interpretation going to be based on? Well, it's going to be based on whatever the global corporatist oligarchy wants them to believe, wants them to say, because it is a monoculture. It's going to be a forced monoculture. They're going to make sure that we are all herded into these ideological pens and we cannot ever escape them. Oh, that's beautiful, John Henry. You sent me this. Let me drag and drop that over for everybody to be able to see. I like stuff like this. Apparently, Trump said, fuck Tonight on live <laughs> yes. television. He did. Oh, if I didn't love this man okay, already. Let's just drag and drop. I got to check you. it out. 
Fire That's this fire. up, please. All right, let's get some audio here. I'm not sure where it's beginning, but... The ocean will rise one hundredth of one percent over the next three hundred fucking years. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even need to reset that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, the real Diana Prince. Oh, I fucking just rock. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Awesome. And that's why people yes, love them. That is. Because it's not bullshit. Yes. So, all right. So let's um let's talk a little bit about uh this article though. Apparently, this uh, Yale Law School professor has warned that the truth is becoming irrelevant to the rule of law. Um, irrelevant to the rule of law, I should say. After she was criticized for trying to calm a woke mob of students who tried to close down a free speech debate, Kate Stith, who moderated a debate between progressive and conservative guest speakers on March 10th and yelled at students to grow up when they protested the latter guest, said the students hurled abuse at her. For trying to stop the chaos. Now, on Monday, Stith spoke to Common Sense with Barry Weiss to warn what uh, was happening at Yale and saying that it is not an isolated incident. It's not an isolated case. Uh, law schools are in crisis, she says. Uh, she told um, Aaron Sibarium, uh, the truth doesn't matter much. The game is to signal one's virtue, as we read up there. Now, I'm going to scroll down here, John Henry, and without me telling you, which one the conservative is and which one the progressive speaker is to your left and to the right at the bottom there of the screen, which one's the conservative speaker and which one's the progressive speaker? Well, um, you know, on the conservative side, a little bit more, we got some, uh, some, 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 some pretty good looking ladies. Um, and I feel like that's a good trend, though, to see that. Uh, it's certainly a little bit more appeal. I'm going to go with the one on the left is our conservative speaker, and the one on the right is a progressive. If I go up and see the seated versus, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Okay. How'd I do? Um, wrong. It's okay. Um, the American Humanist oh. Association uh, here uh, gave us this picture of Monica Miller left and conservative Christian Kristen Wagoner on the right. Uh, so the conservative was the nicely dressed one here. No, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, Kristen doesn't have a nice appearance or anything like that. I'm just thinking that if you wanted to rope a bunch of like dupey college age guys into believing in a particular ideology... Don't just send a weapon like this. <laughs> I feel like you used reverse psychology on me for that question. <laughs> it's okay, question, I can do that. I feel like that was a, I some trickery. That. I could do that. I could do that. That was some witchery and some trickery. <laughs> that's, what, I mean, that's what we're talking about these days. So. Although, yeah, I mean, fuck, of course. It's it's all about advertising, right? Sex sells. So, obviously, if you want to loop a bunch of idiots in, you take the hot younger yep. chick. Absolutely. Uh, they'd do anything. Uh, now, these days, let's see. It says here that uh, the March 10th incident involved about 120 Yale law students who were filmed yelling at Kristen Wagoner, a conservative Christian of the Alliance uh, Defending Freedom, the, the ADF nonprofit during a debate with liberal humanist Monica Miller about freedom of speech in an event where police came in to help escort the speakers out of the building. And that's the punchline to this article for me. I don't even think we need to read any more about that because that really is 
if you were to look at the banality of evil in these scenarios, when you have so much overarching government control, when you have like a federal government dictating your ability to breathe the way you want to, John Henry, <laughs> you know, when you have those sort of things going on and that amount of sophistry, um, it's much easier for the state to just say, hey, remove the minority that's causing the problem. Who cares if they're right? Who cares if they have the right to do what they're doing? It's just much easier for us to remove two people causing a stir than it is to try and control 120 people causing a stir. And that's the utilitarian principle behind a lot of the thinking there. But you see where you tend to remove the moral argument and you tend to remove the rights, you tend to remove the recognition of what even your role is uh, when you're in that position of power. And it's so easily abused because you can just say, I'm doing the right thing because I'm sending the officers into there and they're going to remove these two ladies as opposed to try and take on 120 students and maybe cause a riot. So instead, they victimize the minority. And we're going to talk more about that because talk about victimization. Let's talk about Emma Robinson's The Right Way. She's saying that America's corrupt election system is revealed in a secret Georgia report. Apparently, a federal judge is hiding a report that shows a federal judge. Remember what I just said, folks? Is hiding a report that shows our voting machines can't be trusted. Let me like that for it, too. There we go. In a crucial court case currently playing out in Georgia, the entire corrupt facade of America's election system has been revealed, and the picture that it paints is damning. Election integrity groups commissioned by a report by a computer scientist professor at the University of Michigan, J. Alex Halderman, who is an election security expert. Halderman produced a 25,000-word report that's so explosive, neither the federal judge in charge of the case nor the U.S. federal government once it released to the public. I wonder why. Halderman asserts that Georgia's electronic voting machines suffer from specific highly exploitable vulnerabilities that allow attackers to change votes. And we've heard this before, haven't we? Wasn't there a guy? Wasn't there a guy in a fucking hotel changing votes that we talked about, John Henry? Hmm. Now, this might tie into some of that. Yes, it was. (laughs) So, now, it also says, who owns and operates those electronic voting machines in Georgia? Well, it's the conspiracy theory that everybody's been labeled with when they bring up Dominion voting systems. Wow. You mean the shit that everybody online is like, oh, you're a fucking Q-tard or you're just believing in uh, Trump's bullshit or you're, you know, you're one of those stupid fucking followers of anything that's just out there when it comes to government disinformation and all that. But no, no, that, that there's, there's actually going to be some more mounting evidence here, uh, apparently. Halderman has given 12 weeks of access to an unused Dominion ICX voting machine. The same machines used in Georgia in 16 other states. His conclusions completely destroy the false narrative about the 2020 election being the most secure election in history. In fact, Halderman claims that Georgia voters face an extreme risk that electronic voting machine-based attacks could manipulate their individual votes and alter election outcomes. Now, since Halterman is a well-known election security expert... 
who has testified before Congress, the usual attempts to discredit Halderman as either a conspiracy theorist, there you go, or an amateur have not been successful. Now, he's also made a sworn declaration to the court regarding the vulnerabilities uh, due to the Dominion machines. Um, there's uh, apparently seven pages um, that have been uh, there uh, submitted in his declaration. Uh, there's links to those in this too that you could find this on our source list. So we are on Substack, as is um, Emerald Robinson here. So uh, I would recommend that uh, you go and sign up for our Substack there. It's free and you get a copy of our source list each week, which is all the articles that we're going through now. Now, just to scroll down to the bottom here, because there's some there's some quotes here uh, from Donald J. Trump, actually. A recent statement by Chris Krebs on the security of the 2020 election was highly inaccurate in that there were massive improprieties and fraud, including dead people voting, poll watchers not allowed into polling locations, glitches, quote unquote, in the voting machines, which changed votes from Trump to Biden, late voting and many more. Therefore, effective immediately, Chris Krebs has been terminated as director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Now, that's important because um, that's CISA director Chris Krebs, who is responsible for the public reaction to this, where he came out and said that this was the most um, highly secure and fair election ever to be conducted. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, folks, but um, her conclusion that I highlighted here, um, one of them is, Judge Totenberg, uh, who's involved in this, appears to be colluding with the U.S. federal government to restrict access to an expert report that verifies beyond all doubt that America's voting systems are extremely vulnerable to hacking and fraud. She rejected a request to access to the report from the Secretary of State in Louisiana in January. Even though Louisiana uses Dominion's machines for early voting, Judge Totenberg has also delayed ruling on similar access requests from media outlets, which are currently facing defamation suits filed by Dominion. Wow. So all the people that could uncover the information to prove that the bad guys did it are being fucking sued. That sounds just. So, (laughs) and as we get down to the bottom here, um, she says, you know the reason why this is happening. The truth is hiding in plain sight. You know that Halderman's secret report shows that the voting machines are easy to hack. You know that's the real reason the report is being kept secret by the judge. Halderman herself has asked that his report uh, be shared with uh, CISA and Dominion to address the vulnerabilities it describes before attackers exploit them. What are the odds that Dominion and CISA will actually address any of these issues when CISA and Dominion have no interest in the American people reading the report? She says, you know the reason. You saw what happened during the 2020 election. <laughs> We're too stupid to know the yeah. truth. You know, you can't handle the Let's truth. Get in here. So fucking crazy, it man. Says the, it's so like, guys, they outright say that they don't trust you to know the truth. It says the U.S. federal government is not so secretly in control of our supposedly state-run election system. <laughs> Nothing is a yeah. secret. Hey, we're going to keep a secret. Let's not tell these guys. Uh, Do me a favor. Scroll back up to the top of that article. Mm, 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 I'd love the Trump said, fuck, that's great. Ready? Uh, America's corrupt election system revealed in secret Georgia report. March 10th, 
is this what revealed it? This is what revealed it. Arizona didn't reveal it. Wisconsin didn't reveal yeah. it. This is insane. need to be revealed anymore. It's insane. <laughs> it's fucking. It's already been revealed. We see who Oz is. He's the old guy behind the fucking curtain. It's man. been revealed more times than King Hippo's belly button and punch out while you're trying to beat him and his pants are fucking <laughs> falling down. Please <laughs> stop talking to us like we're fucking toddlers, oh, man. God. So let's let's Unreal. let's move on to the next one. Consortium news. Now, this one I got by way of High Impact Flicks. He mentioned this article here. This is from Caitlin Johnstone. It's called The Jaw-Dropping Power of U.S. Propaganda. The ability to manipulate public thought, not just within the U.S., but across vast swaths of nations, has allowed the U.S. to manufacture international consensus for whatever agendas it wishes to advance. Now, the reason why I wanted to include this, John Henry, because we started off talking about our, the collapse of our justice system and how that uh, ties into how we classify and codify and, and decide things in, in this world, um, how, who has privilege and who doesn't, you know, with those, those laws that they'll be working on for us. But in the meantime, whites. yes, whites have privilege. Yes, well, of course. Yes. And the, we'll we'll be talking about what they're doing up in uh, Canada and Home Depot's there in, in a second. But um, it says uh, here from Caitlin Johnstone, if you use Twitter and engage with the subject of the war in Ukraine, you've probably noticed a verified account called the Kiev Independent pop up while you're scrolling through your feed, which puts out highly biased content in favor of the Zelensky regime and the Western powers which support it. If you're using a desktop browser, it will usually look like this. Now, there's a description there, folks, that are listening. Um, but this one, uh, just this tweet says, a retired U.S. Army general believes Russia will exhaust ability to fight within 10 days. And Ben Hodges, former commander of the U.S. Army in Europe, told CBS News that Russia is running out of time, ammunition, and manpower as a quick operation turned into a war of attrition. Interesting. The walls point. are closing in. Seen? The walls are closing in. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw somebody post um, that Ukraine has Russia right where they want them, surrounding all their major cities. Um. So did you see that Putin this week stated the day that is is the end of the war already? No. Oh. I think it's April twenty first or April seventeenth. Okay. Yeah. So in and apparently that is the same day. That uh, Hitler was defeated. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought he was going to be celebrating yeah, 420, they, and he'd just be hitting it so hard that he'd kind of forget to end the war on 420, and just kind of wake up. He's not going to do it on Hitler's yeah, birthday. Yeah. That's Hitler's yeah, birthday. I can't be doing that. Um, yeah, yeah. So what's interesting is apparently he had some type of statement. I'm paraphrasing. Sorry, guys. I should do better for all of you. I'll do, but I'll do more research, like Maxwell says to do. Um, but made a statement about that because again, there's a lot of allegations that he's actually fighting against not just neo-Nazis, but actual Nazis in Ukraine so that he's going to finish the war and beat the Nazis again on, and it'll be on the same day on the anniversary. Now it's, uh, she goes on to reveal here in the article. I'm going to start using that word reveal. We're going to reveal. Also, (laughs) did you, um, did you watch a video I sent over to you that was uh, on the ground reports about, the Russians actually providing all the Ukrainian citizens with uh, like food and yeah, medicine. Yeah, that's that's how they're getting all the media like, people out too. The media people are riding with the Russians in their Z vehicles because they 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 have to write Zs yeah. on them, folks. Because all the manufacturers are the same on both sides. Go fucking figure. 
So in order to discern which ones the Russian vehicles are, like which you have to know that it's the Russian tank because the Russian tank is going to have a Z on it. If it's a Russian ambulance or medical um, brigade or something like that, whatever they call them over there, right? Um, they'll have a Z on their truck. So a lot of people have been looking for Z trucks to get the fuck out of Dodge because the Russians will take them there. Um and maybe the Ukrainians will just shell you. Who knows? Because they're they're given guns to just like twelve year olds over there and just say, "Yeah, go defend your country." That's that's our foreign aid, folks. <laughs> and the military industrial complex got got paid got paid on all those weapons that you just put into their hands that they're using to bomb and shell and fire at their own people with no fucking training. Oh, or maybe with a little bit of training because that that kind of came out today a little bit too. Shout out to Guard Goldsmith for uh, posting that Ford Fisher video earlier today. Um, because it, it, it exposed that Biden uh, said that we're going to be training troops to go over there uh, in, into Ukraine, John Henry. So uh, now in this article, it asks if you see the gray text in the top left-hand corner of the image. So there is a gray text for those of you listening that says war in Ukraine on it. Now, when it says war in Ukraine on, parent, uh, on Twitter, apparently, that's a Twitter topic. And a Twitter topic, that's the page's algorithm uh, which has been recommended to you without you having to subscribe to it. <laughs> no manipulation there at all. Now, also, that's where the Kiev Independent uh, posts are prominently featured. So this topic is being aggressively pushed on Twitter, uh, users around the world, and showing up over and over again in their feed until they adjust their settings to remove it. <laughs> or they adjust your settings, folks. I think that's what they're attempting to do here. Now, it goes on uh, to talk about uh, not just this Kiev uh, thing, but then also, as we scroll down here, we got a quote from Michael Tracy. Uh, this is, uh, knew there was something off about this guy. Here's Kiev independent reporter I.A. Ponomarenko, who has gained almost a million followers in less than two weeks. That's a lot. That's a lot more traffic than... Uh, most people get, I'd say, uh, declaring himself brothers in arms with the notorious, and you just mentioned it, John Henry, you're you kind of reading ahead here, A students read ahead, openly, neo-Nazi Azov Battalion, and look at them all hanging out, brothers in arms. It was a fine day in August 2017 when Azov guys consecrated me an artillery guy. Hashtag Ukraine, hashtag Donbass, hashtag Azov, and even tagged at Polk Azov, which uh, is what you want to follow if you're trying to follow along with this story. Uh, now, <laughs> she goes on to say, do you see how uh, sophisticated just that one tiny component of the U.S. centralized empire's propaganda campaign is? How many seemingly disparate and unrelated elements it has? Multiple countries? NGOs, well, we mentioned those earlier, didn't we? An ostensibly independent social media platform, an ostensibly independent news outlet. It's very difficult to see how any of it connects at all. <laughs> well, unless you're doing what we do. <laughs> Unrelated elements. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Remember, everybody, all of these things, unrelated elements. But you're going to hear about some really unique unrelated elements about Ukraine biolabs. And I don't know, Hunter Biden today. Totally. Now, keep in mind when we get to that segment, 
Those are all completely unrelated elements from one another. Because you're too fucking dumb to know that they're related. Oh, yes. And here, uh, I just wanted to read this before we moved on to the this highly advanced perception management operation. Oh, yeah, that, that takes me back. Uh, perception management operation is happening all around the world about any issue the empire has a vested interest in. <laughs> so just as you were saying, John Henry, as anti-imperialist, anti-imperialist author and podcaster Justin Poder uh, recently put it, the U.S. empire is based on the mastery of storytelling, making reality through propaganda. That was, that was really nice, Justin Podor. Very good, very good. But let's, let's move on, because uh, we'll, we'll let our audience delve more into that uh, article, too, because uh, we, we, we wanted to get onto this. When you talk about perception management, well, perception management isn't tuning into the New Prisoners podcast to get your information from this past week, right? Most folks are watching the Academy Awards instead. They're watching uh, Marvel movies, Disney+, Plus. Uh, they're watching fucking cuties on Netflix. You know, they're, they're, they're yeah, they're, they're watching the, the jokes of Big Mouth with their eight-year-olds and teaching them that shit to go, oh, oh, so they can go on Monday to their, uh, uh, how to masturbate in class, uh, you know, because they're in fucking second grade, uh, public school, aren't they, John Henry? So as we have this perception management bullshit going on, of course, it, the, the Hollywood, uh, elite, the Oscars, the Chinese-owned whores in Hollywood now, uh, along with the CIA, of course, and a bunch of other uh, foreign agencies, too, I'm sure, um, uh, has canceled uh, or will cancel uh, films that aren't woke enough. Academy to disqualify movies that don't have enough black, gay, and disabled actors by 2024. Now, right away, this is where you start seeing the inconsistencies of identity politics. I mean, in my opinion, it should only be movies that have gay, black, disabled actors. <laughs> no comma. I only, that's what I want to see. I want to see Turkish bathhouse, African Americans, all in wheelchairs. They've actually turned the Academy Awards into a section at the porno store with this. This is fucking insanity. <laughs> Folks, it's entertainment. It, it, come on. Come on. Only already. gay disabled black daddies DVD volume 14 come coming on. to the Oscars. <laughs> Watch with your family, folks. Watch with your family. <sighs> it, it, I don't even know what to say. You know, also, while we're on this topic, Hollywood. Um, so one of my favorite actors of all time is Keanu Reeves. I really fucking like Keanu Reeves from a young man that liked to, you know, like, you know, I loved the idea of surfing and skydiving and riding motorcycles and cool shit. My, my second favorite movie of all time is point break with Keanu. Uh, first favorite movie, big trouble in little China, shout out Kurt Russell crushed it. Um, I love the John Wick movies. Clearly, we like the Matrix movies. So China's canceled Keanu. Yeah. Uh, they have canceled all Keanu Reeves movies in China. Um, why is that? Did he say terrible anti-Chinese things? No. 
Did they find out he's a racist? No, 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 no. Um, did they find out he has a sweatshop full of Chinese children in his basement uh, that make um, the Matrix figurines? Nope, that didn't happen either. Folks, the reason that Keanu Reeves has been completely canceled in China, here it comes, it's really bad, it's because he supports Tibet. That's it. That's the only thing. Boo, there's monks there, boo. He supports Tibet. <laughs> so they've completely fucking canceled Keanu. Shout out Keanu. You're a legend, yeah. man. Love you. Great work. Love John Wick. Love the Matrix movies. Do some really good stuff. Yeah. But what the well, fuck? Guys, this is state-run propaganda. We say this shit to you every week. So now it has to be, it, there's a standard, there's a quota of how black or gay or disabled. What? This is insane. What the fuck are we doing? And this is just entertainment. But now you realize what this should open up to everybody is you should now be enlightened that what you consider entertainment is not entertainment. It is grooming. It is indoctrination. Grooming is a number six set. That's what this is. So when you think I'm just watching a movie for sheer entertainment, guys, they're manipulating your brain, your opinions, your ideologies. This is, uh, it's fucking nuts, man. You, listen, I'm okay with movies that have black folks in them and gay folks and disabled folks. Based on the roles in the movie, they should have those people there to fit the roles of how these movies are written. But that doesn't mean that you have to have a certain amount. Because now, everything becomes linear. What's the story? There is no new story. It's fucking stupid. And it just, it hurts my brain. And this is why, like, it's amazing as we go through this and the more that I continue to learn right? Genuinely, the less interest I have in any form of entertainment that comes from Hollywood. I don't care about TV shows. I don't give a shit about movies. I don't care about any of it because I know there's a goal. Watch documentaries if you want to watch TV. Do that. Even if it's some hokey weird shit about finding Bigfoot. To me, that is more rewarding than watching a movie that had a specific standard of how many black, gay, and disabled actors were in it. I'd rather watch a bunch of fucking idiots run around in the woods, slamming sticks off of trees, and going, hoo, 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 and throwing fucking rocks. Going, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Hey, man, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Then have the shit forced on my fucking throat. I don't need it. I don't need it. There's movies I love that have black folks, and gay folks, and disabled folks in the movies. Because they were the right person for the role. Because that character was written to be that way. But that doesn't mean that's everything. It's the same reason every fucking movie in North Korea is about how Kim Jong is Jesus Christ. Are you fucking serious right now? That's the direction that we're going in. I'm so sick of this woke bullshit. Fuck you. They're, they're worth, this is, their focus is this shit and having Zelensky fucking live stream to the yeah. event. It's absurd. Fuck this. Fuck this. Burn, kill your TV, guys. Because yes. it's going to kill you first. Oof. 
It's a fucking enemy. The enemy is in your house. The enemy is what you stick your kids in front of. It's just fucking bananas. The calls are coming from inside the house, John Henry, as I've said. But Come on, you know. man. And, um, you know, just to kind of point out some of the inconsistencies, though, as I was going to say with uh, identity politics, is that, uh, say, for instance, you wanted to build like a, a Lego house, right? And you get the kit, you pull all the Legos out of it, and then you decide all of a sudden that the connector Legos that actually hold up the house, that you decide that those are no longer viable and you just want to shove them in your nose. And you just decide to do that instead because you feel justified in doing that because um, you are slightly taller than your siblings. That's decided that that's why you decided to do that. And because of that difference, because of that difference that you had no control over whatsoever, that you were born uh, to be slightly taller than the rest of your siblings, that you felt that that house didn't need to stand a particular way and decided to stick those things in your nose. Well, what, what doesn't necessarily compute here? If you don't have enough black, gay, and disabled actors, well, you can choose to be disabled if you wanted to, couldn't you? Like, if you wanted to, like, there are people that just, they have this thing where they, they, they truly want to be disabled. They don't want to have two limbs, right? We, we talked about this when it comes to like uh, people that have body dysmorphia, where you have body dysmorphia to the point where you just want to have like no legs or something. Like you could, you could tell the global corporatist oligarchy to disable you so you could get a job. You could be gay for pay. <laughs> you, you could literally do that. You could do that, but you, you can't. You can't elect to be black. You can't just be like, "Yeah, I'm black." It's Tuesday. I'm today is Black Day. I'm 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 black today. <laughs> like that's not happening. But you can decide. You can decide at some point to Here's do these other. Here's what else is fucked up. Okay. Here's what what else is because this is just under my skin. It's right sophistry. Now. It's just inconsistency over stupidity, arbitrary <sighs> rules. Just so I just wanted to say. Yeah. Is that your that's your word yes. of the week? That's the third time you use that yes. word. Everybody, I just want it to is. point that out. Number six is word of the week: yes. sophistry. Mine is bananas yeah. and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Needed. Needed this so, week. Here is the other. Here's the other thing that that entertainment can effectively accomplish. I love learning about culture. I love learning about black culture, Hispanic culture, Chinese culture, Taiwanese culture, fucking Eskimo culture, uh, people that live in the jungle culture. I, I love that. That's one of the things that I genuinely enjoy in, in my life is I love learning about different cultures. I feel like that gives me the ability to not only grow as a fucking human, but me or be more understanding or empathetic, right? To, to different people. I want to know about who you are, where you're from, what your culture is. I love that. I love learning about different people, different foods, all of those things. What happens here is we go down this path is it, it puts us into a mode of ignorance, what they're saying is they don't want you to learn about different cultures. There's no, 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 no. You only need to focus on what we tell you to focus on. 
that's African-American women, right? As an example, as we talk about Ketanji Brown, which that's so disrespectful to any woman in the world or, or anybody that was a candidate to sit on Supreme Court to go, no, 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 no. I'm only doing it because of her sexual orientation and her heritage and, and who she is, right? That's fucked up. But no, I want to learn about different things. So when you look at them having this quota, this black, gay, disabled quota, they're saying that, no, 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 you're, you're only going to, because what's next, right? So right now it's black, gay, disabled. Okay, well, we meet that quota. We have plenty of that to give to the people. What is our next thing we're going to learn about? Now, I know it sounds like I'm beating a fucking dead horse because the first thing that pops into my head is kid fuckers, pedophiles. So make sure it's as gay as gay can be. And gay's not enough. It's, it's trans. And trans isn't enough. It's non-binary. And non-binary isn't enough. It's pansexual. And pansexual isn't enough. So, and then we just continue to go and go and go. And basically what ends up happening is we now become educated and indoctrinated on these things, which will then have an immediate impact on our life, our ability to say things, speak our minds, have an opinion will then be restricted. Uh, Again, it is a coordinated attack on everything that you know, everything that you know, that's wrong. That's bad, man. That's really, really fucking bad. You're giving these people the keys to your fucking castle, and your castle is your mind. That's not okay. It's not. And really, John Henry, how far away are we necessarily from children arriving home from school that were given like those little wristbands that you get for like some sort of charity that just say like, I support maps on them? You know, or love your minor attracted person on them. And they were given them by their by their teacher. Well, they already have the kids doing. Have you seen the videos of the gay pride parade yeah. that they had all of the students yeah. do in a grade yeah, school? I actually uh, saw that uh, our friend TJ Wright uh, posted something like that earlier this week. And yeah, yeah I talked to him about it. Yeah, I would be fucking yeah. lit if that was my child that was forced to partake in a gay pride yeah. parade. Uh, again, guys, I, I've told you, I don't care what your your sexual orientation is. I'm not homophobic. I think that gay couples should be able to get married and have health care benefits and all of that stuff. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I don't want my five-year-old child partaking in a gay pride parade in school. I don't want Unbeknownst that. to you. I'm not you know, okay with like that. Behind your back. Or they're forced to do it because it's part Absolutely. of the curriculum. It's hidden. Now, listen, if my daughter, when she is, as she grows, if she is gay, I will still love my daughter as much as I can every day of my fucking life. No different than I would otherwise. Not because that'll be her choice or her orientation or whatever it may be. But again, that doesn't mean that I support, her, you know, a child partaking in that. When we go back to our episode, Save the Children, which if you haven't listened to it, guys, I do really recommend that. When you talk about the fact that these days, uh, teachers can get children prescribed on hormone therapy, uh, they can get abortions without parental consent that are underage. I mean, this stuff is fucked up. Uh, I, I'm a, I apologize that I don't know this woman's name, 
but there was a video that was posted in a lot of places and was an interview with a mom and, um, and, and the mom, the school prescribed, they helped coordinate prescription of, of hormones for her, uh, her child and the school got the kid hormones to start transitioning to the opposite sex and her child committed suicide. And this woman watching her devastation and her fucking tears and just feeling for this mom, knowing that the school, the place you're supposed to be educated and it's safe, literally pushed this child into a direction where they took their own life. I mean, it is, I, I can't think of many things more fucking horrific. And who's accountable for that? We cheer that on. Yeah, Billy's six years old and likes wearing dresses. So now we call him Betty and he's a girl when he comes to school. That is fucking destroying these kids' emotional state, their understanding of things. It's pushing them in that direction. And if a child decides at some point that they're trans, it ain't going to be when they're five, six, or seven years old. You know, and that goes with all the fucking... The, uh, you know, the, the, the hate against DeSantis this week about the don't say gay bill. Right. And people don't understand that he's, that isn't an anti-gay bill. You fucking idiots do an ounce of research. What he's saying is he doesn't want to have children that are, I think like three to eight years old or five to eight years old indoctrinated on trans and you know, sexual orientations of any kind, even heterosexual. You shouldn't be teaching fucking five-year-old kids about anal sex or any sex. It's ridiculous. The hate, it just, it's, it's, and you've had these fucking lunatics come out and say that it's not the parents' decision. The parents shouldn't be the ones that decide this. We're their parents now. They're collective parents. It's fucking grotesque. Oh, absolutely. And, and besides that, too, I mean, when you want to talk about like how these rules apply in the real world, is that once they get indoctrinated, like you were saying, John Henry, that these children, they're being given these prescribed identities that they go out and they have to adhere to. Because you've, you, we mustn't forget that if any of these black, gay, or disabled people voted for Donald Trump— or said anything against the, uh, the the Ukrainian government or the U.S. support of the the Ukrainian government uh, that they'd immediately be banished off of Twitter too. Like as soon as you step away from the the monoculture, you are you are banished. You are banished in their world. Uh, and even it says here, speaking of banishment, um, last year's uh, it said uh, winner Nomadland. And key 2022 nominees would actually would have been excluded, John Henry, uh, due to this rule, uh, because they would have failed to include a cast and crew made up of 30% of black, gay, and disabled people. Um, <laughs> where did they come up with 30%? Why is 30% the, the number? Again, the, the arbitrary and ridiculous rules here. So let's move on. I think, I think we got that one pretty good. Um, now, we talked about uh, this person a little bit earlier, but uh, this is more of a follow-up uh, to the story that we covered last week. This is uh, from the Daily Wire. Photog speaks out after she says NBC edited her photos to soften look of trans swimmer Leah Thomas. 
And as we see in this lovely photo of Leah Thomas here, let me see if I can uh, get it a little bit better here. Can you see the chin pubes on Leah Thomas in this photo? That is one that hasn't been photoshopped. That's from Mike Comer and from NCAA photos via Getty Images. Okay, so let me go back here. Now, apparently photojournalist Erica Denhoff has expressed her surprise and disappointment with NBC. <laughs> surprise and disappointment with NBC. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's got a lot to learn, doesn't she? After the network, she says, intentionally edited her photos of transgender University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas to have the athlete's features softened. Now, also, NBC's Today Show was accused earlier this week with also presenting altered photos of Thomas seemingly to soften the swimmer's masculine features during their gushing coverage of the athlete. And Thomas, a biological male, well, I don't know if we could say that. Oh, yeah, we can because we're on Bitch Who Odyssey and Rumble. We don't have to worry about that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Are you a biologist? Uh, oh. <laughs> are you are you a biologist, I, sir? I, I'm sorry. I can't call you sir because oh, I'm yeah. not. It, they um, them. Are you a biologist, we'll just, they them? We'll just delete that statement. Yeah, we'll just edit that out. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, edit that out. <laughs> but I just, yeah, guys, it's as fucking stupid as it sounds. It is. Uh-huh. It is. Um, oh, it says that uh, we all know that Shanley took the 500-yard freestyle. Uh, oh, there we go. I pride myself on providing authentic images as a photojournalist, Denhoff told the Washington Examiner, adding that she was disappointed by the network's actions. Now, as we go down here, um, we have a video that's uh, linked to Twitter from a Curtis, Curtis Hauk. Um, who says, watch how giddy NBC's Today Show is about Leah Thomas's crushing uh, the competition at the NCAA D1 Women's Swimming and Diving Championships. And goes on to say gross as well. Um, below is a photo taken by Den Hoff. And here is the photo presented in the Today segment. So, John Henry, I'll show you the top one here. Here's the one that was originally taken by Erica Den Hoff. And we go down here to this one. Wow. Glowing. Like a movie star. All of a sudden. <laughs> you know, as I was looking at that, I looked at the, the picture on the left first, and I'm like, holy shit. They went yeah, even the further. Is they turned him into a yep. black woman. <laughs> That's, that'll be the I next mean, step. if they did that, Latia, they officially Latia broke Latia it. Thomas and he'll be a black They woman. broke the matrix. I mean, that's how we come full fucking circle <laughs> here, guys. They totally broke it if that <laughs> happened. But we we have the other images that we went over last week where it was softened up there on the Today Show. They showed that too. And um, there's the comparison before and after for those, those of you that are watching. Uh, but those for those of you that are listening, um, this is a tweet that we're going over here from a person called Perfect Sweetie Pagliacci. Devilish? Uh, Neo Pagliacci? Okay. Uh, it says, I'm crying. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, Pagliacci there. I'm crying. Why did NBC Today airbrush the fuck out of this picture? Laugh my ass off with many O's. But um, 
It says here, the, just to wrap this article up, that Thomas has been widely criticized for dominating in women's sports while being biologically male, not only by conservatives, but feminists and actual competitors of Thomas, too. That was a quote from the story. So, um, <laughs> She says, my photo was... My photo that they licensed was an authentic photo. And I'm surprised and disappointed that today altered my image of Leah for this particular new segment. Well, we're not. We're not surprised because there's a lot of fakeness going on in news. Isn't there, John Henry? Uh, I have this from OpenTheWord.org. Canada. Ottawa Chief of Police admits that they found no guns amongst the truck protesters during the Freedom Convoy. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Did you catch any of the um, EU Parliament? Holy shit, guys. They fucking slayed. Oh, we're Trudeau. getting to that. I got an article lined up next for oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're so going to get into it. I mean, they ripped this smug fuck to shreds. I love it. Really them. quick, um, just to go over it, because uh, we're dealing with a lot of uh, fakeness in our news and uh, Project Mockingbird type of stuff. So let's go on with uh, what the um, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, or system or whatever it's called up there. Uh, during the Freedom Convoy uh, that they were putting out uh, just to serve the establishment and Mr. Uh, Trudeau up there. Um, It says, During the Freedom Convoy 2022, Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau fled into hiding, terrified about a possible insurrection. Um, And it says, The Liberal Party, along with with it, brought its paid-for mainstream media, also referred to the truckers as occupiers and terrorists. Uh, Man. That's just like uh, how we started off this with Jordan Maxwell saying how they will classify us. Um, However, after grilling, Ottawa's acting chief of police finally admitted that they found no guns among the protesters. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this up, too, um, because it goes into what European politicians think of Justin Trudeau after all this. And um, it says here uh, a couple different quotes. Ah. Scroll down to this one. So it says, yes, Canada's supposed occupation was different from what we are seeing in Ukraine, where its president, Volodymyr Zelensky, bravely decided to stay in Kiev as Russia invaded with real soldiers, real tanks, real bombs, and real missiles. These are not imaginary. Well, I don't know about that. And recently, Prime Minister Trudeau was in Europe espousing his democratic values and consulting about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. During this visit, a German politician called Trudeau as a disgrace to democracy. So it links the videos here, folks. And also it says after the past few weeks, several European politicians have said some nasty things about uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's suppression of free speech and a peaceful protest in Canada. And uh, this uh, Kian Bexty, the real Keenan, or Kian, I'm sorry, on Twitter says, uh, Europeans have seen dictators before and call them as they see them. Why is Trudeau so widely disliked by European politicians? These words must sting and must make him even angrier coming from a woman. <laughs> All right. Ah, oh, now they just call him a disgrace, uh, tramples on democratic rights, and uh, tramples on people with horses too. Um, but, um, yeah, there's, uh, and then also this interesting story, John Henry, 
Uh, this one linked here to Matt Christensen's channel, uh, which you can also find him on Rumble, I believe, which, which we're on. Um, and I th believe he's on BitChute too. Now, with uh, Matt Christensen here, he goes into the fact that the attempted arson that was uh, taking place up there in Ottawa during the trucker protest, they, that they tried to pin on uh, some of the truckers there. Well, that was actually a setup. Uh, it wasn't the truckers, and there's no evidence that the truckers were involved at all. Yeah. So, but just moving on. Canadian Home Depot is slammed for posting staff notice that warned about white privilege and included a checklist for workers who are white, male, Christian, cisgender, able-bodied, and heterosexual. Oh, Canada, what is happening to you? Why are you allowing this to happen to your country? I mean, we're in a situation here with Canada now, John Henry, where in Home Depot in Cal Calgary, Alberta, um, is, is under fire for displaying in employee lunchrooms an information packet about white privilege and that the controversial leaflet titled Leading Practices. <laughs> leading to what? What are we leading to? Unpacking privilege includes Home Depot's logo. Now, the company spokesman said the packet was a resource of Canadian division, was uh, not approved by HQ, and is not part of required programming. <laughs> I like how they talk. I like how they're not even hiding the fact that they're just programming. Can we just get these people to just fucking do their jobs at the Home Depot and help me find the screws I need? Like, is that, that cause that's all the really, when I go to Home Depot, I don't know about you, but I'm not really worried about like what racial group is kind of pulling ahead of me in the world. I just need to get the fucking screws that I need because maybe I drop them down into my washer or something like that because I'm an asshole. I don't know. But it's just that there's a, there's a bunch of different things. Like after images of the packing went viral on social media, critics have slammed Home Depot for promoting woke values and threatened to boycott. But are we really, are we really going to separate ourselves from these places like the Home Depots of the world? I mean, are there any like private and like good mom and pop style places that you can go get hardware at after the fucking pandemic? John? No, no, they for the pandemic destroyed them. Yes. That's the point. Wasn't that the point? Mission accomplished. Great job. Fuckers. They destroyed the micronetic that we had of an economy. They destroyed the, the American dream of owning your own business uh, to replace it with what you're seeing on your screen. If you're watching this uh, with a privilege packet that if now, let me remind you of something. This is for people that work at Home Depot. Mm -hmm. Everybody there makes 15 bucks an hour. The white people, the black folks, Hispanic folks, Asian folks. They all make the same amount of money. As far as people that just, you know, are a typical store employee. And they're talking about fucking privilege. What? Is it? Uh, okay. The check, the check your privilege section. I can't. I fucking can't, man. Able-bodied, privileged. Heterosexual, privileged. Christian. Christian. If you believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you are privileged. You know, I would agree with that. That's one thing I'm going to agree with on this stupid fucking form. 
is if you are a person of faith, you are privileged. Because I feel so sorry for folks that just are not and have none of that in their life. Because that's hope. That's positivity. And especially in these times when you educate yourself on the scenarios that we look at every single day, you are privileged to be a Christian. So that's the only thing that I'll agree I'll with. I'll throw on this that. one out there. Um, it says, if you're confident that the police exist to protect you, you have white privilege. Now, fuck you. I, I would not say white privilege, but if you remove the white part and just said privilege, I'm not really arguing with that. Like, if you're confident that the police exist to protect you, the police exist to protect Hillary Clinton. They don't exist to protect scumbag. me in many cases that we're seeing scumbag. here. So, I mean... They protect people. Uh, Come on. But dude. you could say that, too, about college. This thing's fucking disgusting. If, if, if while growing up, college was an expectation of you, not a dream, you have privilege. I would say that. But it's the, then they have to go into class privilege. Hmm. Hmm. If you can expect yeah. time off of work to celebrate your religious holidays, you have Christian privilege. <laughs> they want to take everything from us. If you man. expect religious that's freedom, says, you have guys. Christian privilege. That's correct. Well, that but that's the correct. way they view rights. They view they view them as privileges, John Henry. So this all makes perfect sense. If you start applying this to well, things, let's keep going yeah. on this. Um, if if you can use public bathrooms without stairs. Fear or anxiety, you have cisgender privilege. Now, you got fucking problems. What are you doing in the bathroom that gets you constant stares and causes fear or anxiety to you? Usually, the only fear and anxiety I have is making it to the place that I need to go to do the thing, not like anything else that's really going on in the bathroom. Usually, usually. I mean, I. I <laughs> okay, well, let's let's go. Let's, I want to go back to this one for a second. Because I feel like this is not well executed. Um, we heard about Leah Thomas in the women's locker room, women's yeah. bathroom, swinging his hog around yeah. in front of these poor young ladies. Um, where does that fall? You know, because here's the th- so wait, so they, right? They're the ones staring at him feeling fear and anxiety, the other people. So who's privileged in that scenario? I would say... That's the women's locker I'd room. say the people with privilege are the ones that don't have any consequences coming to them. This is it's what we absurd. talked about last. Fuck uh, you, Home It's Depot. like what we talked about last week. It really is consequences. Like if you live in a world, in a bubble, where you can just spout all this garbage and have nothing bad have ever happened to you, and actually things that are good start happening to you. Like you get promoted at work because you believe this bullshit and you espouse it to all your fellow coworkers and you enforce it. That's the biggest thing. They're looking for enforcers of this stuff to go out there and make sure that they whip people in the line. So if you don't agree that if you don't have to worry about uh, how to get into a store that you have able-bodied privilege, well, geez, if, if I was born with no arms and or legs, and had fucking problems getting into the local Walmart. That's not Walmart's fault. Now, Walmart is a piece of shit globalist corporation at this point, and uh, I wouldn't trust their CEO as far as I could fucking throw him, John Henry. But uh, I'm not taking um, you know a, a side against Walmart in that debate of whether or not they need to make sure that they have a conveyor belt 
so I can drive my self-driving car or whatever it is that I'll need to get to Walmart with my disability, fall out of my car onto the conveyor belt and have it put me into Walmart where it takes me around with a little cart to get all the things that I need. Like at some point you talk about reasonable accommodation and actually um, uh, Glenn uh, Kane Jacobs brought this up on an interview with uh, David Knight this past week about having a reasonable accommodation whenever it comes to this stuff because he's dealing with this masking bullshit uh, case that we that we talked about on our show. But um, also, let's finish out this last one here before we move on. If you don't have to explain that your spouse is of the same gender, you have heterosexual privilege. Well, it's kind of what happens... Um, when you have this institution called marriage for like a thousand fucking years or whatever, 2,000, 3,000 years, and then all of a sudden you change the definition of it, that you kind of have to explain to other people that the definition has changed. <laughs> it's like the term sick used to mean bad. Now it means good. And when I say something is bad, it might actually mean good, John Henry. So you kind of have to explain those things sometimes, don't you? That doesn't mean I have a deep-rooted fear of those things. <laughs> it's such a silly thing. Semantic bullshit. Up is down. Left yes, is right. has to be. <laughs> and two plus two equals whatever the state well, says it does. And on that note, <laughs> so we talked about last week the fact that Mike Tyson put out edible ears. <laughs> I love that we're doing Mike Tyson two weeks in a row. <laughs> well, you're going to love it for this, too, because, I mean, when you think about shit that happens on the world, right? Things that really disturb people. The number one like thing domestically that people are worried about whenever it comes to uh, the ongoing, the oncoming uh, potentiality of a civil war or something like that would be like a mass casualty event, a mass shooting. So I don't know if this cat got into the edible ears, the edible ears that are ed- edible marijuana treats, folks. If, the, if you missed last week's episode, uh, sir, they're called, <laughs> they are Mike, called bites. Mike bites. Okay. <laughs> so this this motherfucker might have gotten into the Mike bites or this could have been a psyop gone bad because I think Mike Tyson is rather his amygdala that which is the part of your brain folks that helps you register fear. I watched this great documentary John Henry about Alex Arnold, uh the mountain climber that climbs mountains with no ropes and shit. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. But he has like no amygdala activity. Like he has no fear response. And I think Mike Tyson's yeah, it's, it's brain insane. probably a lot like his. <laughs> I don't think Mike Tyson fears things the same way as normal people do. Well, it was fucking mind control, man. The guy was hypnotized and into becoming one of the most savage boxers of all so, time. To tell you folks out there about this crazy story, uh, this is from the Daily Mail. Incredible moment. Man pulls a gun on Mike Tyson at a Hollywood comedy club before the former heavyweight champion manages to de-escalate the dangerous situation by giving him a hug. On Tuesday, an unidentified man was filmed interrupting a comedy set to challenge Mike Tyson to a fight (laughs) in a deranged attempt to elevate his status, in quotes. The man tries to play off the situation, saying, I don't give a fuck, I'm joking, as the owner tries to push him towards the exit. It's then that the man says, look, this is easy, and pulls out a gun from his waistband and cocks it, shocking the MC and drawing gasps from the crowd members. The man looks at Tyson and says, hey, I love you, fam. 
salute to all of your accomplishments for real. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have no inspiration. I want to get that tattooed on me, John. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get matching yes. tattoos. So one of the things I want to talk about is personal growth here. You got to give Mike Tyson some credit oh, on man. this one. Because Mike Tyson could have literally punched this idiot's head off of yes. his body. Like full removal of head from his no. body. He could have Johnny done Cage that. style. <laughs> but Mike Tyson was assertive and conscious of people around him and did a great job de-escalating. Now, I could only imagine the amount of milligrams of THC that were in his body at that moment because Mike Tyson loves to get mm-hmm. high. Uh, overall, pretty extraordinary, though. Um, so good on you, Big Mike. Way to go, brother. Apparently, he called the dude over for a handshake. And then the two hugged it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then they screamed New York yeah. and Brownsville because they're in they're in Hollywood. Yes. They screamed New York, Brownsville. Yeah, I just love that a guy that came in waving a gun around says that Mike Tyson was his motivation yes. in life. He's definitely accomplishing a lot. So I'm glad he's motivated. Now, the person that recorded the video apparently uh, thanked Tyson and then the crowd applauded. And then after everyone was after everything was said and done, um, after he left, the attendees were shaken and some did not want to leave right away, of course, uh, out of fear that the armed man was still lurking outside. But apparently nobody called the cops on this guy and he walked away free. Wait, where did you say this took place? <laughs> oh, it's California. Yeah, they don't call cops on people that wave guns around. Despite the scare, it says LAPD said they were never called and TMZ reported and the armed man was not identified. So, uh, what? CIA plant? Yeah. Was, was he high? Was he just looking for looking for fame? Who knows about this guy? But uh, there's a good old shot of Mike there with his, his face tattoo and stuff. He's looking, it's looking good. But... Pretty dapper in that suit with digging, no yeah, collar. Digging the suit. Right. Yeah, digging the suit for sure. But uh, let's let's go on to the next topic. Um, I like this. Manhattan DA. This is going to start like a, a, a new thing uh, for the next couple, couple articles, folks. Manhattan DA ends Trump investigation indefinitely and will no longer pursue charges. Um, the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has indefinitely suspended his department's criminal investigation into former President Donald Trump and his business, Trump Organization, according to a resignation letter from one of his top prosecutors. Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn, uh, who are leading the investigation under former DA Cyrus Vance, turned in their resignations last month after Bragg began raising doubts about going forward with a case against Trump. And in his letter, uh, Pomeranz said he disagreed with Bragg's decision to end the investigation. The quote is, you have reached the decision not to go forward with the grand jury presentation and not to seek criminal charges at the present time. Okay, that's true. Pomeranz noted in his resignation letter, which was first reported by the New York Times. The investigation has been suspended indefinitely. Of course, that is your decision to make, Pomeranz wrote to Bragg. I do not question your authority to make it, and I accept that you have made it sincerely. However, Pomeranz said, that a decision made in good faith may nevertheless be wrong. I believe that your decision not to prosecute Donald Trump now and on the existing record is misguided and completely contrary to the public's interest. I therefore cannot continue in my current position. He bounced. 
And the new and the now former prosecutor noted uh, further that he believed the former president is guilty of numerous felony violations and added that it would be a grave failure of justice not to prosecute him. Well, Pomerantz and Dunn uh, both had previously agreed to remain on with the district attorney's office after Vance's term expired in January and Bragg took the helm. Roberts said that Vance was moving towards indicting Trump, but for some reason did not do so despite his office spending nearly a year investigating Trump and a former resident of New York City. Hey, what do you think that reason was? Um, maybe because there was no evidence whatsoever. Oh, it was all fabricated yeah, bullshit. Just like okay. the, the steel dossier and everything that. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it just said that uh, they just keep repeating uh, the things like they harbored no doubt uh, whether or not he committed crimes. Um, and, and this is in the resignation letter. Now, I think these guys know that this shit is going to be made public like this, too. Like when you know, a high profile case, like a case against a former president, right? When you have the prosecutors walk off the job because of a judge's decision and they're posting these kind of letters for the public to read John Henry and they're dealing with the New York Times to do it. They get to go out and slander former President Trump even more so outside of the rule of law. And this is what we've been talking about all episode long is that we're talking about extrajudicial character assassination, if not assassination itself, right? <laughs> like if they can't come after your character, if they can't shut down your business, if they can't fuck up your entire industry, if they can't starve you to death, they'll just fucking kill you folks. So let's go on to the next one about Trump though, because he is suing Hillary Clinton and others over the 2016 Russian collusion allegations that have been found to be complete and utter, utter horseshit. So, Donald Trump on Thursday sued his rival in the 2016 U.S. presidential election, Hillary Clinton, and several other Democrats alleging that they tried to rig that election by tying his campaign to Russia. Well, the lawsuit covers a long list of grievances that the Republican former president repeatedly aired during his four years in the White House after beating Clinton. Yeah, it took all of his four years in the White House for them to even come out with any any mainstream outlet saying, oh yeah, well, I guess the Steele dossier. Well, no, actually, they still haven't. <laughs> they still haven't, John Henry. There isn't a major mainstream news outlet that you will find, aside from Fox News, which you know at this point is complete trashes in itself too. Aside from what Tucker Carlson does on that on that show, and a little bit of Jesse Waters too. Uh, the the rest of that shit has just become utter trash. But um, especially around wartime, geez, you could really tell who's all on the board with the intelligence agencies as soon as any of the uh, wartime shit rolls around, can't you? Um, now, the lawsuit covers a long list of grievances, it says, but acting in concert, the defendants maliciously conspired, yes, to weave a false narrative that their Republican opponent, Donald J. Trump, was colluding with a hostile foreign sovereignty. The former president alleged in a 108-page lawsuit filed in federal court in Florida. Ooh, I think you might get a little bit better a judge down there in Florida than maybe up there in the Southern District of New York, at least. So that's probably a good place for it. Now, I like this, because we've been calling this shit a racket for a while, and uh, that's, a, that's also a nod to Smedley Butler there. Look up Smedley Butler and take a look at what he said about war. War is a fucking racket, folks. Uh, the suit alleges racketeering <laughs> and a conspiracy to commit injurious falsehood 
among other claims. And a Clinton representative did not have immediately <laughs> did not have an immediate response. So now it says here that John Henry, the suit seeks compens- uh, compensatory and punitive damages. Trump said he was forced to incur expenses in an amount to be determined at trial, but known to be in excess of $24 million and continuing to accrue in the form of defense costs, legal fees, and related expenses. You know what's kind of cool about the last election with Donald Trump taking on all the extra black votes that he did? Is that all the DNC slush money that went through Act Blue through via Black Lives Matter that found its way to the Clintons might actually be coming back to old Donald Trump in the tune of twenty four fucking million dollars? So thanks for donating to Black Lives Matter, you assholes, because all those dollars just fucking where the world in, in Carmen San Diego their way all the way into Donald Trump's pocket. You did it. You won. <laughs> but. The defendants in Trump's lawsuit include Christopher Steele, a former British intelligence officer. Oh boy, I can't wait to see what they can uncover about that man, John Henry. So, and now just to wrap things up on that note, we could do a collective awe this week if we want to. Hillary Clinton catches COVID. Oh, it's just a damn shame. Look at it. I didn't know the Omicron strain could get in the fucking demon DNA. Now, do you think that this image that we're looking at, John Henry, do you think this image is doctored to make Girl, her look worse? Or is just... Come on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Leah, the, who did that? The same person who photoshopped Leah Thomas. Get the fuck out of here. Can we photoshop some chin pubes onto her, too? <laughs> her fucking face right now looks like a fucking shopping bag full of mashed potatoes. Are you kidding me? Come on. Oh, man. She is like... um. Her and the one we're going to talk about later in the show, too. They both have that vibe to them. The pantsuit mafia. They all remind me of Mrs. Bighead from Rocco's Modern Life, too, in a way. Just like that screeching, just nagging type of voice and everything. But yeah, Hillary Clinton, folks, is the latest bigwig politician to come down with the coronavirus. But like many before her, she says that she's going to be just fine. All thanks to being vaccinated. (laughs) The former secretary of state. And two-time presidential candidate made the announcement Tuesday saying that she'd contracted uh, COVID-19. And Hillary Clinton writes, well, I've tested positive for COVID. I've got some mild cold symptoms, but I'm feeling fine. I'm more grateful than ever for the protection vaccines and all this adrenochrome that I'm drinking out of this child's skull can provide against serious illness. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that's all we got to really say about that. <laughs> Let's move mm-hmm. on to another adrenochrome uh, drinking satanic pedophile cult member. She's like monoclonal antibodies. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's actually multiple minority actual yes, bodies. Do anything that. Fucking scum. Well, you can't even get those anymore because we can't pay for them, right? We got to pay for the war in Ukraine, so we don't even have the monoclonal antibodies mm-hmm. anymore. As we went over last week, ain't got no money for that. <laughs> ain't got no money for that. Ain't got no money for that. All right, this is from American Military News. Biden says new world order is coming and America must lead it. Oh, boy. So while addressing the business roundtable on Monday, President Joe Biden said there's going to be a new world order that must be led by the United States. His quote, you know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, in the world. 
occurs every three or four generations, Biden said. As one of the top military people said to me, (laughs) we go over that again. As one of the top military people said to me in a security meeting the other day, (laughs) this is the type of information I want leaked. Top military people talking to the president in a security meeting the other day, saying that 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. This is what we were talking about earlier, John Henry, that something had changed in our culture between World War One and World War Two, especially, but definitely starting back then. And Biden says, since then, we've established a liberal world order. And that hadn't happened in a long while. Okay. And then after that, though, we're not talking about really coherent shit here, but some of it is. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. I don't know what he's... And and now is the time when things are shifting. Now, I know they cleaned this up too because he's probably like in between these things. So I'm trying my best here, folks. There's going to be a new world order out there. We've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it, he continued. Ugh. Biden's use of the phrase New World Order caused an uproar on Twitter, with many suggesting that the president was referring to a globalist effort to change the world economy. (laughs) There could be a New World Order out there, and we've got to lead it. Joe Biden, independent journalist Drew Hernandez, tweeted. Unrelated elements. Drew Hernandez calls it, though. He says, out in plain sight, Biden Biden openly, openly telling you he listens to globalist military advisors. And yes, what would we be doing with those globalist military advisors and Joe Biden? Well, fucking up the world's food supply, John Henry. Why don't we? Why don't we just starve the shit out of people? Because we haven't done that in a while, haven't we? Oh, I mean, we've been doing it in Yemen for the past, what, fucking 10 years plus. But we're not going to talk about that because we don't have any uh, establishment interests over there in Yemen to, to speak of. So we can't fly their fucking flag. Does anybody in the crowd... And I know we all pay attention to politics or else we wouldn't be here listening to this shit, right? Um, does anybody even know what, what colors the flag of Yemen are? <laughs> Do we even know? Do we even know? We fucked up their country and sent it back into slavery. They don't even get it. They don't get emoji. They don't get shit. Nothing. They don't get a day. They don't get a month. Nothing. So this one from National Review. Biden warns of food shortages in wake of Russia, Ukraine war. It's going to be real. All right. I'm glad he's speaking the street slang now. John Henry's kind of, he has many personalities on him, this guy, Biden. President Biden warned that the Russian invasion of Ukraine will likely cause food shortages. No shit. In some parts of the world, because both countries are major exporters of wheat, in remarks to reporters in Brussels on Wednesday. Now, no fear, because you can always go on that corner. Oh, wait. The price of meat is like $10 for like a Dixie cup full of ground beef at this point. And it's like, 70 30 shit too it's not even like (laughs) well and bill gates said that um all large countries should now be consuming only synthetic meat but are we gonna have synthetic wheat too on top of this i mean we yeah we probably need synthetic fertilizer also did you hear i didn't include it in this week's because i mean we we already had like a million and one fucking articles john henry but did you hear about the microplastics showing up in people's blood and organs that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, what um, 
what was the lady's name on she did a rogan podcast i know everybody oh fucking erica oh here's rogan um we'll get it in the source list but rogan he did a podcast with a woman that talks about the phthalates and the plastics going into your body and your bloodstream and the impact it has on hormones highly recommend everybody listens to that and uh as we continue here i will find her name um now just to read off here um what biden had said it's going to be real the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon russia it's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well including european countries and our country as well wow (laughs) dr shanna Shanna swan okay Shanna Swan, really, really incredibly intriguing podcast about phthalates and the plastics in our right. foods. Well, I know what I might be checking out soon here. All right. Now, the, um, the Biden said uh, both Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat. Now, wheat, in case you're not familiar, that goes into a lot of product. And he also claims that Biden had a long discussion in the G7 with both the United States, which has a significant... Uh, the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major, major producer. And we both talked about, and this is the line I want everyone to pay attention out there to. This is the line from Biden. The the truth just slips out of him because he he doesn't have those filters anymore. His his brain is patched together, folks. It's it's like an old whoopee that, that a baby has been carrying around for a long time, and that grandma has sewn that shit back together. That that is that is the state of Biden's brain. And we both talked about how we could increase. This is Biden talking about the US and Canada. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food shortages. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that cuz I'm I'm taking it as they're trying to make more food shortages happen faster. <laughs> that's that's how it kind of reads to me. Now I know it might be a little jumbled cuz it's coming out of old fucking mushmouth there. But and we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food shortages. What the fuck? Are they working with Canada to make this happen? Look at that face. Look at that face. That's great. Oh, now, moving on from the food shortages being real. Putin. <laughs> there was no shortage of pizza when uh, <laughs> Biden was sitting with our, our, our wonderful military men and women uh, when nobody would even talk to that fucking bumble. Nobody idiot, wanted apparently. shit to do with him. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. <laughs> He almost choked on his pizza because it was too uh, hot. And they're all just, they bought the videos and pictures from that are fantastic. And they're just looking at him like, what are you fucking doing here? You old imbecile. Oh man. And, and could you imagine like just being next to, like there's something about, um, there's, there's people that watch these AMS on like ASMR videos online. Could you imagine a Biden ASMR of him trying to eat hot pizza? Like, just like the disgusting noises and groans and like the crazy shit that he could say, just like, oh, I, I showered with Ashley. Oh, it's on the roof of my mouth. You know, like just. I mean, you know, you got you guys are going with NATO to Russia. Like, what the fuck? Oh, this pizza's hot. Corn pop was a real bad dude. Let me sniff your kids. Sniff, sniff. Biden ASMR is so terrible. He's like, 
you know where my favorite pizza shop is in yes. D.C.? It's called Comet Pizza. pizza. Katanji. Katanji. <laughs> oh, it says here, uh, Putin demands, from the New York Post, Putin demands unfriendly countries use rubles to buy Russian oil and gas. Wow. So it turns out that in this uh, conflict, that the currency is being fucked with John Henry, and it turns out that they're going to do something with it that's like a beefed up version of a petrodollar, and possibly even convert it into a digital one at that. Well, that's new. We haven't ever talked about any of that stuff, no, huh? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah didn't, yeah. didn't Biden just say something about a certain time frame? Oh, yes. On a... Was that a topic That is this a topic week? this week. So, Russia... For-, for us to start a digital currency? And also, what we talked about over these last couple of weeks is being... This war... And what's going on with Russia is going to fucking tank our dollar even worse than it already has been, guys. And I'm going back to the MERS system that now Russia is going to work on the Chinese credit system, which means all of the U.S. dollars and credit lines, the Visa and MasterCard, that's all, all of those creditors are being pulled from Russia right now. So all of those credit systems are transitioning over uh, to, to the Chinese MERS system. That isn't good for us, folks. It's not, that doesn't benefit us at all. Well, check, check this all. out too, John Henry. It says here, but efforts to isolate Russia economically are complicated by the fact that the European Union is dependent on Moscow for oil and natural gas that is used to heat homes during the winter. Well, shit. How, how, how is that going to help the, uh, the Russian digital currency that they might be putting in place soon? Well, yeah, your energy bill, your tax dollars, your government is going to allow it. It's going to put it in place. It's going to force it into place because it has to be. Because with the financial noose, as it's saying here, tightening and the European Union split on whether to sanction Russia's energy sector, Putin hit back with a clear message. If you want our gas, buy our currency. Now, the ruble right now is taking a hit, John Henry, but could you imagine if they launched like a new IPO does on a Russian currency? What it would be like jumping on that with all these European Union countries being forced. And you know how the European Union pretty much makes decisions without any sort of democratic process too over there. So they could pretty much just decide any day that they want to that that's the system that they're going with and they could prop up Russia's uh, new digital ruble or whatever the fuck they're going to call it fairly easily. I think that shit would skyrocket overnight, creating another oligarchy. Oh, just like we'd let me cover something yeah. real fast. Let's talk about some gas prices. Yeah. How much is the price of gas in the Netherlands right now? What do you think? Oh shit. I just talked to a guy from the Netherlands the other day. I should have asked him. Uh, I'm going to go with $15 a gallon. No, no. I mean, that's a bit excessive. It's nine dollars and seventy-eight cents. Norway, nine forty-five. Denmark, eight eighty-three. Finland, eight eighty-one. Italy, eight seventy-five. Germany, eight seventy. Sweden, eight fifty-four. Iceland, eight fifty-four. Greece, eight fifty-one. The United Kingdom, eight dollars and thirty cents. France, eight bucks. Portugal, eight bucks. Guys, that's what we're headed towards right now. Just so you understand that. 
And in some places in the U.S., California specifically, um, you know, the Democratic fucking wonderland, they're already paying 8 and $9 for fuel. That's it, it, <laughs> little statistics well, for you. Go and, ahead, sir. And Sorry, what happens to, to governments um, after these uh, fuel prices spike, John Henry? Well, color revolutions happen. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we saw it in Kazakhstan. Um, we, we've seen a little bit of it in France too. I mean, that's when the yellow shirts yeah, went out. They, they, well, that's what they fire. stated was the yellow shirts were protesting due to yep. fuel prices. Yeah. So not because of the extreme mandates and restrictions from COVID, but yeah, we'll go with yeah. fuel prices. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring up what Russia is doing there um, is because, oh, that's part of our plan too over here in the U.S., John. <laughs> the coming federal weaponization. Look at that picture of him. <laughs> It's a fucking demon sitting there. The Black eyes. That's not even him. What oh, the man. And it's just. If you don't believe in evil incarnate, look at this fucking picture. Yeah. Folks. And you know, it's fucked up. They probably photoshopped that oh, yeah, picture clean up. to lighten him up and make him look more fucking yeah. human. Yeah. There's uh, the coming federal weaponization of banking. It says here, the largest shakeup in finance since the formation of the Federal Reserve is nearly here. The establishment of a government-backed cryptocurrency is a threat to the freedom of commerce and would give Washington the ability to weaponize banking against political dissent or even block Americans from accessing their own money altogether. A digital version of the dollar has been in the works for over a year now. This is that deadline you were talking about. Uh, earlier this month, President Biden signed an executive order both curtailing existing cryptocurrencies and laying the groundwork for a federal digital currency. Crypto regulations have been a favorite topic of Democrats on Capitol Hill and regulators in the federal bureaucracy. Biden deployed numerous excuses, including the risks of money laundering and the carbon admissions, <laughs> that bullshit, needed to produce crypto to justify cracking down on these currencies. But the kicker of the statement is the regulatory groundwork for the coming digital dollar. The United States will be the second major power to foster such a move after China, where efforts to create a digital currency as part of its Social credit system are a sign of what might be coming here soon. This is a great article on the Hill. This is an opinion article on the Hill, folks, by uh, Kristen Tate. And I'm fucking digging it. Uh, I don't know much about her work. Maybe she sucks at other things, but she nails it here. Um, it's She just goes on to say, physical currency will likely be phased out entirely over time in favor of a digital format controlled by the Federal Reserve. And the ubiquity of cell phones and scannable codes will make integration of a digital currency under some form of the blockchain relatively easy to implement. This soft nationalization of the banking sector would leave the United States in uncharted waters. Nearly every transaction from political donations to purchases as seemingly insignificant as a pack of gum would be visible to the government and subject to scrutiny. Actually, yes, as insignificant of a pack of gum, it's already happened, folks. Remember January 6th when they were going after the people on their credit card bills? 
Somebody purchases a pack of gum in D.C., all of a sudden you got feds at your house, folks. Now, it also said government regulations could block or track certain transactions with no trial or public recourse. No due process. Extrajudicial assassinations of your money, your job, your livelihood, your character, and even you. Even worse, if you were placed on a list by a federal bureaucrat, not even a judge, your access to banking and credit cards could potentially be shut off without a warrant or trial. Now, it goes on, and I like this one. There is a chilling irony that the open source technology intended to evade government control instead could be used for it. And I wanted to bring this up this week too, folks, because you could say that we're patriots. You could say that we're libertarians. You can call us freedom fighters. You can label us many things. We, we usually adhere to an ideology that's uh, based on volunteerism, based on uh, inherent human rights granted to us by uh, someone that uh, maybe our foes on the other side have not yet met, but they will eventually. But you can call us many things, but if you take our ideology and just label slap it, just like they did with He-Man back in the day onto uh, lunchboxes and things, John Henry, if you take our ideology and use it to sell people bullshit through the government, you could be successful with it too, right? There's plenty of, you know, libertarian and uh, conservative sounding. I mean, we, we talked about Ted Cruz multiple times. Shit. We shit on Dan Crenshaw all the time and he deserves it. <laughs> Fuck Dan Crenshaw. But that's what I'm talking about. Dan Crenshaw gets over with boomers that want to like love him for his service. They see that he was wounded in war and they're like, damn, he must be a great human being to be able to do that for his country. And just on a surface level, just at a small amount of understanding, with something that I call low information tardism. And this happens when you just have a, a small amount of info that you base your judgment upon. And especially whenever it comes to electing a political leader or following a particular movement or something like that. And then they just go. They just go with whatever Dan Crenshaw is going to say. They, they they're going to like all of his tweets and, and his little comments on Instagram uh, this this upcoming week. They're gonna they're gonna give him heaps of praise for standing up to big bad old pooty poot and wanting to put more money into the military war machine to go over there and murder more people's kids. They love that shit, but they're taking over our shit. Even Biden, when he when we first started this show, started telling people it was their patriotic duty to take those shots. Fuck you. It's not patriotic. It's not freedom. It's not libertarianism to allow these fuckers to do this to us. It's none of that. And we shouldn't allow it. Like when it comes to cultural appropriation, that's our shit. (laughs) Stay in your own fucking lane. (laughs) But at the same time, it says here, at the same time, a centralized digital currency would allow the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars with the clickable button causing inflation to further spiral out of control, which would upset the economy and pretty much land it in the hands of all of their friends, uh, which can you know survive such things because they have insider tips or they can take the hit, uh, just like in a poker game. But it says much of the pseudo-printing would be a major boon to Washington. The federal government could distribute social spending in an instant. They basically just point their finger and money squirts out of it. 
the existing bureaucracy can expand the government dole with relative alacrity. Federal equity programs could be dependent on this connection between DC and your coming digital wallet. And they go on to mention things that we've talked about, John Henry, here on the show. Think if that all sounds far-fetched, just look at what's happening in China. Beijing's social credit system punishes malcontents with restrictions on the internet use and travel. Closer to home, Canada used its emergency acts to effectively shut out protest supporters of the Freedom Convoy from polite society, and supporters of the protests had their bank accounts frozen. Single moms that were making minimum wage lost access to their money for donating as little as fifty dollars to the trucker, uh, the truckers. <sighs> the The Canadian government shut down more than two hundred bank accounts and more than two hundred fifty cryptocurrency addresses and threatened to suspend protesters' insurance coverage too. The message from the government to the truckers and their supporters was clear: your opinions are not acceptable to the Justin Trudeau government. As such harsh, harsh means will be a valuable precedent for governments worldwide and for the simple fact that they work. That's the banality of evil I was mentioning before. So I wanted to talk about this. Moving on to the banality of evil in a different way. This is something we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, and uh, we've gotten a lot of great reactions from you out there. Uh, we've gotten a lot of new subscribers. Uh, on BitChute, Odyssey, and Rumble this past week. Uh, I see that we're uh, picking up some views on Brighteon as well. So if you're over there on Brighteon, check us out there. Um, our audio podcasts are up. Those are on uh, Apple, Google. Uh, we're also on Amazon Music, so you can tell Alexa to uh, play the new Prisoners. See if I can fuck with some people. Hey, Alexa, play the new Prisoners. See if I can get somebody to come on that's listening. <laughs> But um, this from the World Tribune, Hunter Biden investment firm tied to Ukraine biolabs using Department of Defense funds. Now, we've covered the Hunter Biden laptop story for months, John Henry. Um, We've covered the biolab story, like I said, for the past couple of weeks. And um, also, you can watch uh, this on video now on Spotify, too, because they allow us to upload our videos there, too. So those of you uh, listening on Spotify, um, you can watch this uh, video, too, and see all these articles. Um, Now, an investment firm directed by Hunter Biden was a top financial supporter of a firm that collaborated on identifying and isolating deadly pathogens in Ukrainian laboratories, the report said. Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, a subsidiary of the Hunter Biden and Christopher Hines-founded Rosemont Capital, received funds from the Obama administration's Department of Defense in the process. The National Pulse reported this on uh, March 24th. Metabiota, a San Francisco-based company that purports to detect, track, and analyze emergency infectious disease, emerging infectious diseases is one of the companies listed on archive versions of RSTP's portfolio. Today, we can exclusively reveal, there's that word again, an official connection between the Biden-linked pandemic firm and biological laboratories based in Ukraine, Natalie Winters and Rahim Kassam uh, wrote for the National Pulse. Metabiota, Ukraine, Plandemics, 
It's on the Bide laptop, which is, according to Marco Polo, a new Rosetta Stone of Corruption, noted Garrett Ziegler in a Telegram post last month. Marco Polo is a research group headed by Ziegler, a former Trump White House official who has been actively focused on Biden family corruption and foreign interference in the 2020 U.S. elections. Oh, stuff that we talk about there, too. The report on Joe Biden's son's uh, financial involvement with Ukrainian biological laboratories experimenting with pathogens, animals, and anthrax follows the National Pulse unearthing metabiotic ties to fucking EcoHealth Alliance. A key entity in the origins of COVID-19 and cover-up efforts. Does the, does the first impeachment, does the bullshit surrounding, surrounding the first impeachment, folks, does it start to make sense now while they freaked out about a fucking phone call between Trump and Zelensky where Trump was just like, hey, what the fuck is going on over there? And then everybody listening to that phone call and the CIA collectively shit themselves, including Eric Chiarmella, the rat, the fucking whistleblower that nobody was allowed to say his name online, on Facebook, on YouTube, on all these other places. And probably still, I think you probably still get flagged for it. But you know what, folks? We don't give a fuck because we're on Bitch You Don't Honestly and Rumble. We don't give a fuck about that. Now, with all that, roughly one year after Hunter Biden's investment, uh, investment funds put cash into Metabiota, representatives from the company attended in October of 2016 a meeting involving U.S. military officials and their Ukrainian counterparts discussing cooperation in surveillance and prevention of especially dangerous infectious diseases, including zoonotic diseases in Ukraine and neighboring countries. In neighbor, and, and neighboring countries, like Russia, maybe? Hmm. Government contracts also collaborate. The working relationship between Metabiota, Ukrainian laboratories, and the U.S. Defense Department, with the firm receiving $18.4 million in grants from the U.S. agency in 2014, a total of $307,091. Allocated to Metabiota was itemized for Ukraine research projects, the report noted. And in July of 2021, the National Pulse revealed the connection between Metabiota, Hunter Biden, and the pandemic-linked EcoHealth Alliance, which worked closely with Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and the notorious Wuhan Institute of Virology. So it all just ties in together here. The reason why Adam Schiff would just make up shit, the reason why... Everybody would come out and demand immediately with like this feigned righteous indignation that Donald Trump must be impeached. He abused his power when he brought up the fact that that Joe Biden said on video in front of the Council of Foreign Relations that he had withheld funding. And then they accused him of doing such things. Thank you, Saul Alinsky, for that bullshit and the devil before him uh, <laughs> for teaching him that lesson, I guess. Holy shit, John Henry. So this is just this is just the tip of the spear. Because now the rest of the COVID story is starting to fall apart. And it's been falling apart for months now. It seems like since we started this podcast till now, John Henry, that we're in a place, and all of you that have been listening out there have seen things like 
Well, the vaccine fall apart, masking fall apart, social distancing fall apart. And now we're starting to see people's fucking immune systems falling apart. What the hell is going on here? Why is double vaccinated and boosted and previously infected Jen Psaki? Why is she testing positive for COVID the second time in five months? Why the fuck is that happening? Now, I just love how when all these idiots that are quadruple boosted allegedly all thank the vaccine. <laughs> they all do. They all thank the vaccine. Thankfully, due to being vaccinated, I only have mild symptoms. Thankfully, I have the vaccine. You also have fucking COVID. You have that too. Again, because you have a compromised immune system, because you put poison in your fucking body. That's very true. <laughs> circle so, back. Circle yeah, back to COVID. Yeah, circle back to COVID. Circle back to having some fucking T cells and B cells that know what the fuck they're doing or something. I don't know here, John Henry, but what, the reason why I kept bringing up that word, that magical word of this week, which is sophistry, is that listen to some of this shit and tell me it isn't sophistry. Double vaccinated and boosted Saki was tested ahead of her trip. Now, why the fuck would you need to test somebody and at all for, for any reason, right? That's been double vaccinated and, and previously infected. But she noted that President Biden is also tested negative for COVID on Tuesday because she's going to miss she's going to miss Joe Biden's trip to Europe this week. Oh, that's a shame, too. Now, she's 43 years old as well. She's still relatively young. And she tested positive back in October and was forced to work from home for, for 10 days and follow the CDC guidelines, right? But she, she had to socially, she had two socially distanced meetings with Biden. What the fuck does that mean? Does it mean they sat in chairs eight feet away from it? Was somebody there with a ruler to make sure? Because are we that dumb? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Once they didn't have to wear masks in Congress, everybody seemed to get real friendly real well, fast. I didn't see a whole lot of social distancing. Well, Scott Atlas, he spilled the beans on this bullshit a while ago and said that this was all this was all arbitrary. They came up with this where it was just like they originally said ten feet and they were like they looked at the this the what buildings look like and entryways and like offices and you know just how anything in the world is designed and they're like ten feet's not gonna work because like people have to go in and out of things, like buses and shit. So you can't do it there. Um, so then they arrived at six <coughs> and then after that, they're at a, they're, they're down to like these socially distanced meetings. Well, it, it said that, uh, the white house staff had stopped wearing their face masks because <laughs> COVID was so, it, it was, it was so transmissible and bad before, but now we've jumped over a broom folks. And now the wearing the face masks and it, it, it stopped wearing face masks in accordance with the Centers uh, uh, for Disease Control and Prevention Guidelines. So the, the guidelines have changed there, and now Saki's bombshell announcement has come moments before she was scheduled to host her daily press briefing at the White House and by leaving on Wednesday. Now, um, with this one, um, we're scrolling down here for a reason, folks, because I wanted to point this out too. Deputy White House Press Secretary Chris Mager started Tuesday briefing by acknowledging Saki's diagnosis. Obviously, we've had some last-minute adjustments to the briefing, which is why I'm up here today. He said no reporter who attended Monday's press briefing was considered a close contact to Saki and that contact tracing had begun. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was at Tuesday's press briefing, as previously scheduled to be, 
to talk about Biden's trip. He wore a black face mask as he waited for his turn at the podium. So they're doing it. They're not doing it. They can't get it because they're vaccinated, but they can get it now. There, there, is, no, there is no objective reality in this world. There is, if you exist in this sphere, at least, that there, there's no objective reality to be had. Uh, and then it just has, to, has the tweets from Saki. Today, in preparation for travel to Europe, I took a PCR test this morning. Now, the PCR tests, we all know, are bogus and they're bullshit. So that could be the explanation for this, too, and not just Vades. But that test came back positive which means I will be adhering to CDC guidance and no longer be traveling on the president's trip to Europe. Thanks to the vaccine, I have only experienced mild symptoms in alignment with White House COVID-19 protocols. I will work, I will work from home and plan to return to work in person at the conclusion of a five-day isolation period and negative test. So it used to be 10. Now it's five. Oh, Let's just, let's just go on. So, uh-oh. Uh-oh, we got server error on this one. Let's try again on that one. I'm going to... Yeah, we got to come up. All right. New audio reveals. Bob Saget suffered long-term COVID symptoms prior to his death. Now, the reason why I brought this up in some sophistry is, is that I know a little bit about these supposed long-term COVID symptoms. Hell, I've listened to Jimmy Dore have a great interview on uh, Last American Vagabond with Ryan Christian there uh, about his long-term COVID symptoms that he received from getting the shot. Jimmy didn't even have COVID. He got the shot and got long COVID symptoms, and he's being treated for those probably still as we speak. But Bob Saget, well, the back of his fucking skull was crushed in. I never looked that up as a long COVID symptom. Did, did you, John Henry? Because I don't ever remember that being part of the symptom list. I don't know. Maybe we should read that nine pages of side effects and see if that's a, a symptom. <laughs> yeah. Where a side effect of the booster. Where, where a side effect of the booster is, it makes your skull look your like you skull fell from 30 feet. Because I, I heard that was part of the report, that it looked like he'd fallen from like I mean, 30 I definitely feet. one of the negative side effects was um, rectums being caved in because so many people got fucked <laughs> out of not having their fucking jobs now, anymore. The reason why and forced to be fucking vaccinated. I bring up this long COVID stuff from the, pr- the previous uh, story that we talked about with Jen Psaki there is that, um, well, it turns out that Bob Saget was experiencing symptoms of long-term COVID, but he was fully vaccinated too. <laughs> so we're in a place now with uh, the Bob Saget um, story that we're, we're going to accept that he had long COVID after getting COVID, after getting his COVID vaccine. And that's going to be the, it, it's the long COVID symptoms possibly that they're going to say that killed him. Not the fact that he died mysteriously with the, his fucking skull caved in. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the, the authorities have determined that Bob passed away from head trauma and Saget's family said in a statement to CNN, authorities have not linked long COVID symptoms to his cause of death. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Yeah, because nobody needs that. All right, so moving on to the safety and antibody responses to COVID-19 vaccines in the older community. 
So now the people that have been fully vaccinated and getting COVID and long COVID are dying or getting COVID again, like Jen Psaki or whatever it is, they're pushing more shots on the elderly. That's it, folks. The vulnerable. That's who needs more of this shit. That's just that. So in a recent study posted to preprints with The Lancet, researchers have evaluated the antibody responses in an older cohort following coronavirus disease in 2019 vaccination and compared them to a younger cohort. So actually the people that don't need the shot, the younger people, the healthy people, the ones that can like pretty much get over the shit really fast and have like the lowest possible death rate. Um, those are the ones that have the best quote unquote reaction to the shots. And, uh, it says here, yeah, the findings, uh, they, the study enrolled about, uh, 1,286 participants between May 17th and then July 31st of 2021, of which 911 were older individuals and the remaining were younger individuals. The final number of participants was 1,192, and as some were lost during follow-up, withdrew consent or were ineligible. A significant proportion of the participants were vaccinated with either mRNA-1273 uh, or BNT-162-B2 vaccines. Both cohorts comprise 17% of individuals who received one dose of the two mRNA vaccines each. About 4% of older participants received one mRNA vaccine dose and one CHAD-OX1 dose, compared to 11.5% in the younger group. The interval between the two vaccinations was 11 median weeks among the older population and eight weeks for the younger people. Here's where it gets good. After the first vaccination, the most common adverse event was pain around the injection site, followed by a fatigue and malaise. Younger people had higher odds of experiencing at least one adverse event with a moderate or severe degree when compared to older participants. Interestingly, adverse events were more likely after second vaccination with mRNA-1273 vaccine uh, than the BNT-162-B2 vaccine. Now, before the second vaccination, 29 individuals were positive for anti-N antibodies, indicating prior infection. And among them, 10 participants reported previous SARS-CoV-2 infection. Besides, anti-N antibodies were detected in 16 participants at different time points after the second vaccination. So that means 16 participants at different time points after this second vaccination had some sort of prior infection immunity. Three participants revealed COVID-19 diagnosis during their monthly questionnaires. Now, in the older population, the proportion of those with positive SIG, uh, G, IgG antibodies increased from 73.5% before the first dose to 98.5% two weeks post-second vaccination. Those with RBD IgG antibodies increased from 40, 45% before the first, first dose to 98% two weeks after the second dose. The proportion with positive RBD antibodies went 96% at 12 weeks post-second vaccine dose with decline to 93% by, not, by oh, I'm sorry, 24 weeks post-second dose. The positive antibody ratios increased among the younger cohort after the second dose 
all younger people had positive SIgG antibodies after 12 weeks of the second vaccination. Similarly, RG, uh, I'm sorry, RBD IgG antibodies were observed in all participants except one. Individuals with both cohorts receiving the two mRNA-1273 doses showed higher RBD antibody ratios at 2 and 24 weeks after the second vac- vaccination than those receiving one dose each of two mRNA vaccines. Now, to conclude, RBD antibody levels in both cohorts were lower before the second dose if the vaccination interval was longer This effect was insignificant at 12 weeks after the second dose. Surprisingly, at 24 weeks, RBD antibody levels were slightly increased in the old population, but not in the younger people. So the conclusion is the study revealed that the older population had a lower antibody response than the younger people. Positive antibody responses before the second dose were observed in 83% of younger subjects and only 43% in older people, albeit after the double-dose vaccination. Nearly all participants had positive responses, it says. But the likely explanation for the higher antibody ratios observed in the mRNA-1273 recipients could be its larger antigen quantity than the uh, BNT-162b2. While the optimal interval between two doses is still unclear, a longer duration was advantageous without harmful effects. The study's findings indicated the need for additional vaccinations among the elderly population. This is always their conclusion. This is always their conclusion. This makes no sense, John Henry. The younger people, like I said, that have less effects of this virus are the ones that are having the higher amounts of side effects. And they're still trying to push this onto our children. I have here from LifeSite News, Moderna to seek authorization for COVID shots for kids despite no proven efficacy against Omicron. Moderna Wednesday announced it will soon request emergency use authorization for its pediatric COVID vaccine. The company said that the majority of COVID cases observed during its pediatric clinical trials were mild, making it impossible to detect the vaccine's protective effect against the worst outcomes. Now, I'm going to scroll down here to find this part uh, from Alex Berenson who talked about this. And um, in an article on Substack, it says here, Alex Berenson, former New York Times reporter and author of Pandemia, said Moderna claimed in its press release that it believes the shots might reduce the risk of COVID in young children. But the trial showed nothing of the sort. Berenson says that no children in it had severe COVID. So the company could not evaluate whether the shots actually will have any meaningful benefit against serious illness, just like we pointed out in the last article. That's why I read through all that stuff, folks. The shots reduced the risk of COVID from the Omicron variant in children by only about 40% below the 50% level that regulators had generally called the minimal level for approval in 2020. And recall that the major adult trials in the Moderna and Pfizer showed 95% reduction in infections against the original coronavirus variant, a finding that far overstated their real-world effectiveness 
after a few months. A similar decline from the 40% trial figure Moderna reported that would suggest the potential for negative real-world efficacy or increased infection risk after vaccination in months. Given the weakness of these results and the fact that COVID poses almost no risk to kids who are not profoundly ill or morbidly obese, it is not entirely clear why why Moderna would try to convince regulators to move ahead, Berenson said. Parents have already been very reluctant to have kids aged 5 to 12 take Pfizer's mRNA jab and surveys suggest even more resistance for younger kids. Moderna has made it clear it plans to go ahead, parents and said. Now, when it's going ahead with this, John Henry, we have another survey over there. See if we can get that back up. This is what I pulled from the Lancet's website. I just wanted to read over this last little line that I have highlighted here. And this was in, um, this is about booster vaccines for COVID-19 vaccine breakthrough cases. Down the bottom, it says, careful monitoring is needed for vaccine breakthrough cases since they might be the most susceptible to additional reinfections and might be most in need of another dose of vaccine. (laughs) So if people are getting the vaccine and they still get COVID, the answer to the Lancet is more COVID vaccine. (laughs) It could be possibly that uh, vaccinating our way out of a pandemic, John Henry was leading to some sort of uh, antibody dependent enhancement or VADs or something like that. They could be causing this, but uh, it turns out that uh, mayor Eric Adams uh, up there in New York, um, he doesn't give a fuck. He is just like Jacinda Ardern. He is out there to prove that it is their job, it is their duty, it is their goal and stated mission to separate us into two different cultures, into us and them, into the haves and the (laughs) have-nots. So, Eric Adams slammed by, by fired city workers and unions after he grants vaccination exemptions for rock stars, actors, and the players for the Yankees Nets and Mets, but not for regular New Yorkers. It says here, Alyssa Ambre, 43, a mother of two, can't start her job waitressing because she still falls under the city's vaccine restrictions. 1,400 city employees were fired by Adams because they refused to get vaccinated. Lobbying firms representing the Mets and Nets and politically connected Yankees general manager Randy Levine, ooh, we're going to have to do some research on him, pushed hard to lift the ban. And Henry Garrido, head of the city's largest municipal union, called on the mayor to rehire the fired workers. The move doesn't help nine to five workers across the five boroughs who either lost their jobs or can't work because of the vaccine mandate held over from the last mayor requiring all workers to have their jabs. The city's seven-day infection rate is less than 2%, though cases have been ticking up slightly because of a new highly contagious variant, like we talked to that BA2 one that we're talking about. We're getting to that, too. 
hospitalizations and deaths continue to drop. Now, this Elise Ombre, the 43, the mother, says, this is her quote, I'm not as important as a Met is because a Met would fill City Field, which fills the coffers of New York. They don't care about little old me. Who pays middle class taxes? The elusive they don't care that I have been out of work and that I have been at my breaking point, and they don't. You know what they also don't care about? They also don't care about this fully vaccinated model who had both of her legs amputated while on life support with COVID. Yes, after being vaccinated, folks. So you know what the you know what the solution for her is? More vaccines. She's happy to be alive, she says, as she leaves the hospital after two months, just in time to celebrate her 21st birthday. Her name is Claire Bridges from St. Petersburg, Florida. She was fully vaccinated and she has tested positive for COVID-19 back in January. She was born with a congenital heart condition, so she probably shouldn't be getting vaccinated in the first fucking place, right? And was soon hospitalized after requiring life support. She suffered liver damage, kidney failure, muscle deterioration called uh, rhabdomyolosis, rhabdomyolosis, which led to doctors amputating her legs. It was a month before Bridges could sit up again and two months before she was able to go home. She has remained positive and her father said she's happy to be alive. And on Saturday, she celebrated her 21st birthday at home with friends and family, smiling in a wheelchair with her legs still bandaged. But I just want to go down here and read this really quick. It says, the Claire Bridges from St. Petersburg, Florida, was fully vaccinated when she tested positive for COVID-19 in January. But having been born with a congenital heart condition, her condition soon worsened. And on January 16th, she was admitted to a Tampa hospital and diagnosed with COVID-19 myocarditis, cyanotic acidosis, rhabdomyolosis, and mild pneumonia. Now, I just wanted to get out of my system, John Henry, before I turn this over to you, that her mother said that when she sent home, that when she tested positive, it devastated this young girl, that her mother said that she was sent home. She was sent home from the emergency room the first time she went, but she returned with extreme leg pain the next day. And again, she was sent home. The third time she went to the hospital, her condition was so fucking critical and she coded there three times before undergoing a four-hour surgery to place tandem heart life support. And she said her mother said that there was more life support for her lungs, continual kidney dialysis, feeding tube, access line, and IVs, and bridges suffered liver damage, kidney failure, and muscle deterioration called the rhabdomyolysis which led to the doctors amputating her legs. Now, do you think John Henry maybe, mm, you know, if they had like, you know, given her some sort of pre-treatment, you know, like something that's been proven to be effective in several countries that we know of, you think that maybe that would have done a trick? Or do you think that maybe that would have done something too for uh, the DOD and their health surveillance data of our, uh, health surveillance data of our soldiers that they fucked with to make it look like and i'll just show you this graph here john henry and for everybody watching this is the rate of pericarditis in 2021 
a part of 2021 until they realized that it was going to make them look like fucking monsters, folks. A 70.3% increase in diseases and injuries reported comparing to 2020 to 2021. And then you scroll down after they fixed it. Oh, everything's just normal. It was a glitch, folks. They called this a glitch. Our Department of Defense, our people in government telling us that this was a glitch. And that's not just all. (laughs) There's also rates of myocarditis. There's also um, infertility rates that have increased here. And beyond that, too, we're talking about a 38% increase in strokes. Hmm. And an exponential increase in vaccine interest injury diagnoses codes. I mean, if you look at this graph between 2016 and 2021, holy shit. What have we done to our soldiers now? And it says these numbers harmonize very well with the VAERS data, which is also dramatically underreported. We all know this by now. I hope you folks know that by now. That show a tenfold increase in reported deaths and hospitalizations from the shots. What did we do to our military men? What did we do to our brave men and women that decided that they wanted to serve this fucking country? This is what we did to them. This is what we did. Now, to wrap this episode up, John Henry, and to turn it over to you for your final thoughts this week, I wanted to bring up this woman. When we talk about what our country does, the horrors, the evils, the banality of the evil of it. This bitch right here, Madeline Albright, saying that Iraqi kids' deaths were worth it. This here from Newsweek, the announcement of Madeline Albright's death at the age of 84 on Wednesday resulted in an outpouring of tributes and fond remembrances, with some sharp criticism also arose on social media, and deservedly fucking so, in regards to comments she made in 96 about the deaths of Iraqi children. Albright, the first female secretary, there is that fucking identity politics shit again. The first female secretary of state in United States history who's being praised up and down all over online by both fucking sides of our government, folks, made the remarks during a 60 Minutes interview. Correspondent Leslie Stahl, the one that said that the Russian collusion thing was bogus, right? That the laptop wasn't real. Discussed with the then United Nations ambassador, too. Uh, How Iraq had been suffering from the sanctions. The sanctions placed on the country following 1991's Gulf War. We have heard that half a million Iraqi children have died. I mean, that is more children than died in Hiroshima, Leslie Stahl said. And you know what? Is the price worth it? And Madeleine Albright says, I think that is a very hard choice. But the price we think, the price is worth it. Who the fuck is we? Now, could you just take Iraqi children out of that and just as easily put in Russian children this past couple weeks, John Henry? And speaking of the children, I'm going to end with this little note. This is a quote from Madeleine Albright. There is a special place in hell for women 
who don't help other women? Well, I'd say that the women in Iraq and all the other places on earth that you wrecked, Madeline Albright, I hope that they're, uh, they're watching somewhere, maybe in another universe, maybe in heaven, and they're watching you burn in an internal air fryer that will soon be joined uh, by uh, Francis Collins, Anthony Fauci, good old Puddin' Pants himself. I hope that you all get to, to roast together in a big old air fryer skillet. What do you think of that, John Henry? <laughs> I think that these last two articles um, both really indicate the same thing, which is these people get to such a significant level of um, being an elitist that they don't view us as humans or people anymore. These are both representative of how disposable we are. We're a commodity. We're not, we're not Sarah, Tom, Pete, Jim, John. We're, we're none of those things. And, you know, we've been screaming from the rooftop about with COVID, the lack of treatment and how the vaccination was not a treatment and how, how many people were killed um, and now subsequently injured, which we can only imagine what these numbers are going to soar to. Um, and they don't care. It was all about profit. It was all about power. It was all about control. For a woman to talk about Iraqi children being disposable, well, how about American children with the vaccinations and the rate of stroke when these kids, you know, that are five, six, seven, eight, nine now turn 14, 15, 16, can't be athletic, can't compete, what they've done to our military. We're all disposable. And it's, it's terrifying realizing that there really are monsters under our bed. And these people, they're the monsters under our bed and hiding in the back of our closet. And what's more critical now than ever is we got to turn the fucking light on. Not just a candle, but a damn spotlight on these people and expose them for who they are and not stand for it anymore. Stop being passive. Well, at least it's not us she's talking about. Well, what happens when it is? When they continue to push vaccinating your children and seeing all the damage that comes out of that. And you know what they'll say? They'll say it was worth it to help people with COVID by vaccinating them. How many lives did we save? That's what they'll say. They're going to say it's worth it. Don't accept that. Fuck that. Continue to fight. Continue to have conversations. You know, you have to fight for it. You have to. Let's get some wins. You know, Arizona, there was a win. The citizen voting right law. You have to be a citizen. You have to vote there. That's a win. But don't say gay bill. They can't indoctrinate your kids in Florida with sexual deviancy. Fight this shit, man. Stand up, guys. Stand up for yourselves. Stand up for each other. Hell, I can only imagine what we're going to have to talk about a week from now. 
These are some really, really, really trying times. Guys, stay strong. Stay together. We appreciate you. We love you. Share the message. Share the podcast. Again, we just do it for you. We just want to share the information and educate people. Do the best that we can at that. So, appreciate y'all. And uh, back to you, sir. Appreciate you, too. All right. Appreciate you, brother. And uh, I appreciate you sending me this quote here. I'm gonna, I'm actually going to drag this over for, uh, for our people right now. Um, you just sent this to me. It's from Mahatma Gandhi. Let's, let's end on this quote instead of Madeleine Albright. You assist an evil system most effectively by obeying its orders and decrees. An evil system never deserves such allegiance. Allegiance to it means partaking of the evil. A good person will resist an evil system with his or her whole soul. And with that, until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the New Prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners, or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners. <laughs>